stay home and play with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess. Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it! Hits it! John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Okay. They're going to review that. Well, Giannis was just there. Was he? No? You know, we, we'll have to take a look yeah, at yeah, it. Yeah, I need to see it a second but, time. But, you know, Halliburton is, is one of the best floppers that I've seen in a long, long time. Tonight's final score, the Milwaukee Bucks, 140. The Indiana Pacers, 126. Something's going on in the corner over here. There is Giannis. Giannis going to the locker room. Going into the locker room. Don't, don't ruin a great evening. No. With some nonsense. What happened at the after the game was uh, was unfortunate. There's a misunderstanding about the game ball. It was Oscar Shibwe's first NBA official NBA point, so we always get the game ball. We were not thinking about Giannis's franchise record, so we grabbed the ball, and a couple of minutes later, several of their players ended up in our hallway, and there was a big, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, a fracas, a melee, whatever. I don't think any punches were landed, but my general manager got elbowed in the ribs by one of their players. He's just so fortunate. I've never seen, I've never seen this before. I feel like you can, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't even, I'm not even going to comment on that. It's, I don't know if I have the game ball, to be honest with you. Uh, and that's what you, you thought they had the game ball. That's why you ran after them in the time. I know they had the game ball. I don't I didn't think I have, they had the game ball. I know they had the ball. Look, I understand when you score your first uh, point in the, in the NBA, like, you want to have the ball or whatever. Giannis, Rick Carlisle said that in the tunnel, one of your guys' players elbowed the Pacers GM in the ribs. Did you see that? Are you aware of that? I didn't see it, so I'm not going to comment on something that I didn't see. And I don't, don't want to create a narrative that maybe that happened and it actually did not happen. Maybe coach saw that. I'm going to respect his uh, view. And if you want to ask me more questions, you know, next game, you guys can ask um, about the whole situation and who, you know, elbowed who. I didn't see that. You know, and that was a lot right there, James. Thanks for putting that all together last night. I, I had James put that together because there is so much to get to. The best part was saved for last when, and I hate this word, when Giannis said, I, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this narrative in, in case it's inaccurate. That's the entirety of the end of the game. And it was started by him. Seriously, that was, and, and again, 
I know a lot of you last night were telling me that you're sick and tired of this and you're worn out on that. No, uh uh-uh. Compared to the game, that was absolutely awesome. I'll get to that and a lot more coming up in a minute. Whiskey business. We're in Pendleton Pike for our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots, week number 15. Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, is standing by. He'll join me coming up in a minute. We'll get to the games. We've got Colts news today. No Jonathan Taylor, no Braden Smith coming up on Saturday against the Steelers. Looks like Juju Brents will play. Uh, We have that, and then we have tremendously sad news today with the passing of a legend, an absolute basketball legend from high school through college, through the ABA and the NBA, the legendary Hall of Famer George McGinnis, Big Mac, passed away earlier today as it was announced by the Pacers And we want to send out our thoughts um, for everybody in George's family, those in the Pacers organization, anybody, and I know it was a lot considering what he meant to Central Indiana for decades, for eras, what he meant. I know a lot of people were close to him. And uh, we are sending out our thoughts to you on what is a tremendously sad afternoon with the loss of George McGinnis. Now, a little bit more on that coming up in just a minute, too. Don't want to minimize that whatsoever, but I do want to get back to the start of the show from last night and see George McGinnis passing away and his imprint on Central Indiana is so profound It really feels awkward and certainly doesn't feel right that I go from that to last night. But unfortunately, sometimes when you have news like this and you do a show like this, that is absolutely necessary. So that's what I'll do right here. Going from that to last night. And you heard there in the open that James put together, it was absolutely ridiculous. You can see... On video, as plain as day, the ball that Giannis was going crazy about was presented by James Capers, the official, to some dude, a rep, I guess, assuming, of the Bucks organization. Somebody coming off the bench. You could see it. You could see it right there. And then all this transpired, all this ridiculousness. And you could tell if you were watching the game and you hung with it, if you were watching the game and you hung with it, you could tell that, that J.J. was like getting information. Jeremiah Johnson of Bally Sports Indiana was getting information as he was presenting that postgame show to you. And it didn't make a lot of sense. What made sense was the Pacers struggled defensively. What made sense was the Pacers struggled against Giannis once again as Giannis puts up 64 14 and 4. It was a tremendous franchise record setting evening. But it was minimized because of the impact and a lot of the stupidity. And I thought, on the other hand, on a day when likely I'm going to come on here and be critical and rip the Pacers, you got to do this and you got to do that. I absolutely loved what went down after the game last night. I loved it. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, you love that, you like the soap opera stuff, you tell us all the time, JMV, you don't like the drama, you don't like the soap opera. Why do you in this case? Because I and others like me, 
We have been searching for a reason for all of us to get deeply into this team, to have something, again, profoundly interesting slash entertaining about this team. It has been fleeting over the years. Maybe a year, maybe Oladipo's first year, going back to the Paul George era, However, it has not been here in a long time. That deeply rooted care. I'm not trying to compare eras whatsoever. But last night, with the way that the Bucks approached the game from the start to Giannis, and I, I heard Lisa Byington there say, well, Giannis was just standing there. He gave, he gave Halliburton a forearm shiver purposely. It started there, and it continued throughout the game. Everything they did on and off the floor last night was meant to stick it to the Pacers. All right, and it's more than just winning a game. It was more than just being 0-2 against the Pacers so far in this season. It was emotional. There was an emotional tie to it. There was being pissed about last Thursday night in Vegas. There probably was a great deal of Lillard dame time from Tyrese Halliburton. There's Giannis going back a couple of different games in the fourth quarter where it looked like he ran out of gas. But if you watch the way that they handled it, both through the game of basketball and with the, the physical, and then sometimes as we witness, and I'm sorry, Giannis, that was dirty. What Giannis did at the outset of the game with the forearm, it was dirty. And it got dealt with by the officiating crew. But make no mistake, he wasn't just standing there. And that wasn't – there may have been a reaction from Halliburton, but that was deliberate. And the rest of the game was too, both on and off the floor. So you're going to ask me exactly why I loved it as much as I did. JMV, there wasn't much to love about that at all. That was an awful game. To see how much they gave up, 140, 64, in embarrassing fashion to Giannis. I got to, hey, your guy needs to do this. Your guy needs to protect the rim. Why did your guy do that? I got all that last night, too. But you know what? I sidestepped everything. I sidestepped everything because after it was all done, and when all these ESPN yip-yaps from Scott Van Pelt to whoever the hell does the overnight to this morning, what matters is this will help re-emerge the pace. This is what everybody's been looking for. Oh, what are you talking about here, JMV? A rivalry? I don't know if I'm talking about a rivalry, but that felt to me last night as a lot of matchups that the Pacers had with various teams, including the Knicks, including the Bulls, back in the 1990s. That's our glory years right there. It's our glory years. That's when you look back, unless you're old enough to understand the late, great George McGinnis and Roger Brown and Mel Daniels and Slick Leonard in the ABA, unless you're old enough to remember and certainly value those glory years, for most of us, the golden era would be the 1990s, from Byron Scott's jumper against Orlando on through to 2000 when Larry Bird takes the Pacers to their first NBA Finals. And only NBA Finals. That's the golden era for most of us. Last night, with all that was involved from a team that has 
arguably, I don't even know how much argument there is, the best player in the world going for you. And is always revolving around winning it all. That's what matters. I mean, the Central doesn't matter to them. You know, winning a series of the pace doesn't matter to them. What matters to them is what they're going to do once April and May rolls around. And then in June, that's what matters to them. They changed their head coach because of that. And they brought in this, uh, this Adrian Griffin clown dude, by the way, too. And we'll talk about that coming up. But they bring this guy in for Mike Budenholzer. And I know a lot of you were laughing last night. You were thinking, wait a minute, what's this guy doing leaving these guys in? Because they were making a point. Tyrese, uh, when, because of what Tyrese Halliburton did last week, and you heard Damian Lillard's response to that. He said, hey, you know what? He explained it to me, and we're all good, but you have to remember when you do something, and I'm paraphrasing here, when you do something like that in this league, you have to, you have to understand that there will be re- repercussions. You will have to own that sometime down the road, meaning somebody's going to come at you. In this case, the Bucks came at him. The Bucks care enough about the Pacers to do what they did last night to be dominant at times, to be out of control both on and off the floor at times. I'm not looking for a soap opera. I'm not looking for a drama. I want this team to build faster than what a lot of other people do and grow and evolve into a good team, a team that other squads, other players look at and say, hey, you know what? These guys are pretty good. We're going to have to bring it. You know, whether you want to use the term, the word respect or not, that's what I've been looking for. I'm not one that wants to wait around any longer and be entertained by losses or draft capital or picks in 2029. I don't give a crap about that. I want to see these guys evolve for the better as soon as humanly possible. And last night was a step in that direction. Even in a double-digit loss even in the fiasco that was after the game, all the stupidity after the game, what we witnessed last night more so than anything else was a rebirth of a Pacer team that you can get behind and that you can believe in goes to the next level. Now, listen, it all revolves around what they put together, how well they play, I get that. But what you got from the Bucks last night, that respect that the Pacers are here even in a double-digit loss, even giving up 64 and a franchise record to Giannis. That was the reaction from one of the best teams, one of the elite teams, and one of the favorites, among others, to win the NBA title. That's what you got last night. That's what I embraced. That's what I was excited about. I couldn't go to bed. I thought, you got to be kidding me. These guys care this much about last Thursday? They care this much about Dame time. Look at my watch, Tyrese Halliburton. They care that much about that. Clearly they do. That's a good thing for the Pacers. That's a good thing for the Pacers moving forward. Now, again, nothing comes without the ultimate, and that's winning. I think we all understand that. That's something I don't think I have to tell you. But you can look about the drama and the soap opera, all that took place last night, but that was a notice put forth by the Bucks that we do care about this team. We understand who this team is and can be. I, I thought that that was the ultimate sign of respect, even if it wasn't showing respect. 
Finally, there's another team out there that cares enough about this Pacers squad to react in that fashion. All been out of shape because of that. Think about that for a moment. What you felt about Giannis before that game last night, how do you feel about it now? He completely flipped the script on his persona that you had on him in a game last night where he went 64-14 and with a franchise record because he was worried about the ball, because he forearm-shivered Tyrese Halliburton, because he was poking his finger in Lloyd Pierce's face, because he ran down the tunnel like a madman trying to track down Pacer players and find the ball. (laughs) It was awesome. I love it. And I love it for all that I just explained to you. And let me tell you, I'm going to be right about this. You may not think so right now, and I know that they're not ready for prime time right now. I'm not suggesting that whatsoever. But uh, last night was a big moment in accepting and believing in what the Pacers are on track to be. And you got that from one of the better teams in the NBA and one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, even through all that stupidity. Oh, that was great. Absolutely great. So we get it that if you like it, 239-1070. Email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live where you guys can discuss that. You also heard among those other highlights, my God, Raymond from White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> It's funny, if you listen to him last night, he goes all Wally Zerbiak on Tyrese Halliburton being the the wannabe superstar. But then you kind of hear him after the game saying, hey, you know what, Giannis, why don't you go ahead and get your, your, your freak ass back to your own locker room? You know, somebody get control of this guy. So he was playing both sides, but it was stupid sounding. From that to the flopper, and then Lisa Byington, the partner, giggling about it the entire time. That is stupid. But again, I love it. You have to embrace that. They know that you're on the come. They recognize your talent and the budding opportunity that you have. And what really sticks out for me is they notice that in a tremendous victory. They put up 140 points last night. Beat the Pacers by 14. Rick Carlisle yanked his starters before the five-minute mark of the fourth. Adrian Griffin left his guys in there to score. <laughs> what did Giannis, I think, scored 13 after the starters went to the bench. I'm not suggesting he probably could have scored that 13 against the starters. I mean, he hell, he had already. He went to the free throw line, what, 30 times? He had 24 free throws last night. 24 free throws, franchise record, 64 points, and all anybody cares about is why would the best player or one of the best players in the world be so stinking angered by the Pacers to react, to respond like that? That is outstanding for the Pacers. I mean, the forearm and the tilt of the body to Halliburton, and then that half-ass kind of grabbing of the head, and hey, my bad on that. No bad about that. That was, he meant to do that to Halliburton. He meant every bit doing that to Halliburton as he did every time he dunked and went for a three-point play against Miles or Isaiah Jackson or Obi Toppin or Aaron Neesmith or the entire Pacer team. And Bobby Portis, want me to bring up Bobby Portis? Bobby Portis is nuts. I'll tell you what, though, I'd love to have Bobby Portis here. 
Like Bobby Portis is a bad dude, right? I thought last night it was fake because he was yelling and screaming between like 19 guys, but Bobby Portis would work really well here. So Bobby Portis gets kicked out of the game. And then finally, when Adrian Griffin at the end of the game decides to go to his bench, the Pacers go on a run and he has to bring Giannis back in because Giannis's brother sucks. That's awesome. I mean, you cannot. That is a great Wednesday night in December NBA story. You cannot tell me you are not excited by that. By the way, Giannis's brother Giannis's brother could not play with a pickup game with you guys wherever you guys are playing tonight. That was hilarious. You guys see the, the hook pass he tried to throw? It was awesome. Think about that. Giannis had his shoes off. Had his shoes off and went back in the game when the Pacers got that lead down to 10. Basically, after playing him the entire half, then he goes in for that cherry-picking, uncontested dunk for the 64th point on that record-setting, franchise record-setting evening, and he was like mean-mugging and flexing and all that, that stupid crap. But think about that, too. What do you think about Giannis prior to that game, or what do you think about him right now, man? Pacers did that. Pacers didn't win, and that's what ultimately matters. But the Pacers did that. They just recognized the Pacers as being something. And you all should be happy about that. You should want that. Somebody asked me this morning, well, yeah, why do you want a rivalry with the Bucs? I want to see the Pacers have a rivalry with anybody. I want to see the Pacers matter. I want to see the Pacers matter other than you saying, hey, let's go down and see the field house. It's nice. And they serve milkshakes. I want there to be more. I want there to be more nights like Boston on a Monday night over a week ago. That's what I want. That's what you want, too. But everybody around here was just on this train that was slow rolling, and you're just worrying about all this crap that in the future, I'm sure it's relatable to winning. But I kind of want to get this thing going. I feel that they can get this thing going. They've made a lot of really good moves. They can't guard anybody. And I don't think they're still going to be able to guard him. I don't know. I don't care who they bring in. I don't know how you're going to do anything with that. The last night I thought was big all the way around. We'll talk about that at 239-1070. Evan Sidery of uh, Forbes said he's got his own column, too, regarding basketball. We'll talk about last night. James Johnson, by the way, James Johnson was re-signed today. It was kind of funny. Somebody had asked me, I think it was uh, Bobby Jefferson, friend of the show, had said, I think the Pacers need an enforcer. And the first guy, the first name I came up with was P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is wanting out of the Clippers. He's not getting any clock whatsoever. You know, undersized, and I'm not trying to compare him to, to Dale Davis or anything like that. When everybody thinks about enforcers, you think about Dale Davis or, you know, Charles Oakley, you know, somebody like that. But he is a guy, he is a guy that if, if Giannis gave the, the forearm shiver as he did last night to Tyrese Halliburton that wouldn't just let it go by. I mean, somebody has to react stronger than that. I don't know if James Johnson is going to be that guy whatsoever, but he was signed today. I guess more so than anything else, either that's the reason why they did it or it is incredibly odd timing. And, man, I hope Oscar Sweet Sheebway has that ball and he's playing with it. <laughs> Shout out to Oscar Sheebway. That was great last night. It really was. 
even in a loss. And normally that's not how I feel, but I do today. Whiskey Business, Pendleton Pike, Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, joins us. Sorry for that opening diatribe, but I just could not help myself after last night. Brent, we got a week 15 we got to get to here at Whiskey Business, which is outstanding. Looking forward to it, John. That was a big uh, diatribe, I think mm. is what you said. There's a I big loved word. it. Diatribe. <laughs> I had a diatribe. That was, uh, and I'm completely sober. So that's good. Well, you got a little uh, good little I'm, nectar in your hands yeah, there to, uh, yeah. to help get things good. underway. But, uh, yeah, come out and join us. Um, Whiskey Business off Pendleton Pike. Mike and Jared, I believe one of them or both of them will be here to uh, join us for some picks coming up uh, next hour. Looking yeah. forward to it. We've got some good games to talk about. All right. Uh, what's, what's on the list? What are we going to, to hard target here? What do you got? Well, I mean, we've got a very ugly one to start again for Thursday night. Seems that we'll, like we'll talk through that one a little bit. That's the mold bit. in which we're in, yes. I, I think the biggest one on the slate, though, you've got to look at that Dallas Cowboy-Buffalo Bill game. Um, you know, with uh, Buffalo a two-point favorite yeah. at home. They kind of turned around a little bit when a controversial win last week against the Kansas City Chiefs and Dallas playing some good balls. So a couple good games on the slate. John, we'll, uh, we'll pick through those and uh, try to find some winners out of this mess. What else have we got going on here? What have we got here at Whiskey Business? We've been here before. We have. Been, uh, I've been here plenty of times before. It's kind of weird. Tomorrow, I'm going to be at the other one down on the oh, south side. Oh, well, look at yeah. that. Sharing uh, some on love. a Bud Blue Friday right, right there. in Southport. So, yeah. They've got two great locations. They do. And, uh, I mean, their, their, their food is outstanding. I just mm-hmm. had some. I mean, they, they're boneless wings. Might be some of the best in in, in town. Uh, but uh, they're uh, all their, you know, again, their staff, what they've got going on here. They've got a, a great assortment of some wonderful Heaven Hill spirits. So if you're out and about, come see us and let's get some samples. All right. Did you watch the game last night? I did not. Oh, my goodness. It was awesome. I right, actually, I take that back. Replays. I thought the ending. What's up, Jay? I thought the ending. The ending sucked. Uh, the game sucked, too, because they got blown out. And that's ultimately what matters when they're losing. But, uh I love what took place afterwards. I mean, that's what that's like part of the foundational pieces of the NBA is having an axe to grind and having it play out in front of people like that. Seems like it's just been forever since the Pacers have been involved in something like that. Felt good. They Felt have. really good. And the points that that are being scored in these yeah. Pacer games, I mean, it's pretty astonishing. I mean, well, they got to have to because they can't guard anybody. Well, that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're giving yeah. them up, but they're yeah. putting them up there, too. I mean, 140 to 126 was it last yeah, night? Yeah, 126. Yeah. And starters wow. went out at like the five-minute mark, before the five-minute mark, too. And I know some people that asked me, I, I, I did wonder this, not, not to the tune where I thought that Rick Carlisle yanked him too soon, but I kind of wondered if maybe – at that point, he was he was yanking them, so he thought Adrian Griffin would yank his starters, and then Giannis wouldn't get to the point where Giannis got. And then, as we figured it out, you know, once <laughs> once Ben Shepard hit a couple of threes, that kind of forced them to go back to Giannis. I, I think you can blame the rookie for that. But no, it was uh, even in a loss, incredibly interesting, and something I think that you as a Pacer fan of the Pacers can play off of for the future. And they've got, in early January, a couple of other meetings, the final two in the regular season. One, I believe, back in Milwaukee, and then the one after that back at Gambridge Fieldhouse. So that's awesome. Brett, you going to hang out for a minute? Let's do it. Evan Sidery, bottom of the hour, a little bit more about last night. James Johnson in the fold now, what the Pacers may or may not try to do prior to the trade deadline. Remember, we got that from Bobby Marks from yesterday, too. Our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots, Pendleton Pike. That's our location today at Whiskey Business with you. Mike Chappell, Jeremiah Johnson, who had a hell of a job, hell of a gig in that postgame show last night. JJ is going to join us at 4.30 today. It is our week 15 Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. We'd love to see you with the free samples flowing here. Whiskey Business off of Pendleton Pike. 
We're up here until 6 o'clock and would love to see you. The stream, the app, HD Radio, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last were... I'm on drugs! Yeah! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hit on the Pike, northeast side. It is a Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Thursday, week 15. Brent Halverson and I, you and me, cidery in a minute. Got our week 15 picks coming up at the top of the hour. Again, no Jonathan Taylor, no Braden Smith coming up on Saturday against the Steelers. Uh, we kind of have figured that for the most part this week so far. Juju Brents looks like he is going to be returned in a must-win situation coming up on Saturday afternoon. Hey, yesterday, if you missed it, by the way, too, for the Indy Classic, both Josh Schertz of Indiana State, their head coach, and Michael Lewis of Ball State joined us. Podcast and really good conversations with both. 107.5thefan.com. Bobby Marks of ESPN, the uh, front office expert, former NBA general manager from Marist College, also yesterday. And if you didn't hear him talk about and make sense of uh, – a uh, reuniting, I'm serious, to uh, Paul George and the Pacers, then you're just going to have to go back and listen for yourself. Again, that podcast is at 1075thefan.com. And then last night, last night's game in Milwaukee, and I know that winning is the ultimate value. I am not trying to understate or underscore that whatsoever. But the amount of respect that one elite team gave an up-and-coming team last night is exactly in a double-digit loss in a night when Giannis went 64 on the Pacers. I mean, in that loss, you could not ask for anything better. Face it, you guys have been looking for that for a long time. I have. I know that. You got something that you're looking for, a little bit of an edge now? More, certainly more of an edge. I mean, hell with Milwaukee, more than a little bit of an edge. Look what all transpired last night. Nutty-ass Bobby Portis got tossed. And now you hate Giannis because he acted like a jerk weed. Kept the starters in the game until the very end. I mean, it was just beautiful. The forearm shiver. Running back to the locker room looking for your basketball. All that stuff is just fantastic. Seriously, J.J. joins us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, he was there last night in 5-serve, whatever the hell it's called, forum, and uh, got a lowdown for us. That was fantastic. Dramatic, good theater last night after a disappointing outing for the Pacers and certainly for the growth of this team, the maturation of this team. 
For that, it is absolutely necessary. All right, Evan Sidery just dropped, so we'll get uh, Sidery on in a second. Hopefully our phones, James says that our phones may be having a little foobarish effect. This is one of these days, though, I think I could just continue to talk, and then Brent and I can talk about our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna's Dual Tequila Shots, as we will in the 4 o'clock hour without it. But the phones do work. It's the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. That's why it works. Evan Sidery, uh, Forbes, NBA coverage, got his own column on Substack, joins us. I tried to explain in the best way I could, Evan, about how regardless of the final score, regardless of giving up 64, those are both tremendously bad. But after that game, how good of a night that it ended up being for the Pacers in terms of having a team of that caliber respect and care about their what they're doing to that level. That was something that I have and a lot of people have been looking for around here for a long time. I'm really glad you brought that up, John. Thanks for having me on. But I, I can't remember a time back to potentially when it was the Paul George, Danny Granger, David West years in 2012, 2013. That's kind of the last time I remember – a, a certain Pacers team get under the skin of a really, really good basketball team. And that's what they've done this season with the Milwaukee Bucks. They obviously had the last two impressive wins, especially the one in Vegas, two to go to the finals there. They obviously rubbed the Bucks the wrong way just with how good the Pacers have been against him recently. And you saw last night Giannis and Damian Lillard trying, trying as hard as they possibly can to get that win. We saw, obviously, Giannis goes for his historic night. But you see exactly these kind of nights now with the Pacers. I think that in-season tournament really opened up the eyes of not only the Bucks but a lot of the good teams in the NBA that you can't take a night off against this Pacers team anymore. This is a team that's going to be a legitimately good basketball team this year. And they're going to t- really go nose-to-nose uh, really with a lot of contenders and make it tough on the most nights. And I think it was fantastic, just the overall back and forth, uh, a lot of drama last night. I think the whole situation we'll probably get into, the whole thing with Giannis was a little ridiculous to me, what they were doing there. But I, I think it just goes to show you that the Pacers are really getting to the skin of a couple good teams here. And that's a, that's a positive thing, to be honest. I, I thought that the ridiculous part was, was Giannis and running around like a, a nut after the game. I People – yeah, and I could understand why if you're a Pacer fan because they left the starters in as, as long as they did. That stuff, I, I try not to let that, that bother me because then down the road, you know, you're going to have somebody that's going to end up like Buddy Heald did the week before last, shot a three or something like that. And, uh, you know, yeah, did that and everybody. Was that against Boston? I think it was. And yes. scored late and, you know, going against what is the unwritten rule of NBA protocol or whatever. Yeah, that's going to end up being brought up or something like that's going to end up occurring. But that didn't bug me last night. You know, again, as much as the, the reaction, and you can just tell that the Bucks, for whatever reason, had had enough of the Pacers. And Evan, that was from the start to finish. That was from the beginning with the forearm and the lean into purposely Tyrese Halliburton by Giannis to what went down with Portis acting all crazy. And then the end of it, it's the effect the Pacers have had on one of the Eastern Conference's elite. And I love it. I, I absolutely love it too, John. And like you mentioned, I think it's the Isaiah Jackson, Bobby Portis moment where he formed him and got his, his nose bloodied up. And I think that Tyrese Halliburton, Giannis moment, I think those happened a couple minutes uh, apart from each other. Right? They really kind of just crescendoed. Yeah the first half there, and then we see the Pacers keep fighting back, and obviously Giannis and them keep putting their foot on the gas until late. But I think this is a fun time where 
I think the Pacers might have a legit rivalry now. It's been a while since I've said you might have legit bad blood with a team, but I think the Pacers and Bucks have a fantastic chance of making this a legit rivalry in their own division, which hasn't been a, a real thing for the Pacers in a very long time. So I think this is all positive for them. Obviously, it was a tough loss last night, and I think it's just fair to say, John, that Giannis just kind of owns this team. He's averaging 40 points per he game. Does. Against yeah. the Pacers for the last ten games, like he he's going to do whatever he wants against this team, and it's really all about stopping anyone else except Giannis. But I think it's just a, a positive thing long term where this Pacers team now looks legitimate, and I think now they got the attention of the Bucks and a lot of the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference where they're going to probably be a top six seed if they play their cards right. They're going to be a very very tough out in the postseason. Hey, Evan Snyder joins us when all this after party stuff fades here, and you're right. We get back to the fact that the Pacers struggle defensively and can't stop Giannis. I mean, really, they stopped him last week. He scored 37, and that was viewed as a good thing in that win in that semifinal out in Las Vegas. They added James Johnson today. I I thought that that was maybe more – maybe I'm wrong about that – a coincidence than it was bringing in somebody off the bench that you feel – um, would be protective because, I mean, hell, you have to be in the game to do that, and he rarely, if ever, would be in the game in the first place. But what else are we looking at? Are we looking at anything beyond additions to this team? What I talked about with Bobby Marks yesterday or any other the garden variety of rumors that we have heard around here the past couple of weeks? Yeah, if you're looking for someone to defend a Giannis or a Jason Tatum, a Jimmy Butler type, where we've seen for five, six, seven years now, the Pacers can't guard those types of wing players. And to especially be a good competitive team in the NBA and make a deep postseason run, you have to stop the most important position on the court, which is a scoring wing. And the Pacers just quite simply can't do that right now. And if you want to go out and get someone, James Johnson, I think is more veteran leadership. Like you said, I have very ironic timing on their part, but a really good veteran in the locker room. He's a no-nonsense guy, hard hat, lunch pail type of player. We've seen his leadership the last 18 months in Indiana, and now you get him back in the in the folding. It's just a good veteran to have within that locker room as they continue to move forward here. But I think you're looking for a potential wing stopper. I think if you're looking long-term, maybe it's Jairus Walker in two or three years, but with the way this team's playing, John, I think they that it's outside the roster where they're going to find that guy, whether it be Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi in Toronto or someone else. It's got to be probably another big trade where they go out and get a three or four type of wing, and the, that's the guy they put on Giannis. So that's the guy they put on Jason Tatum. I think they don't have that current answer on the roster unless they truly believe in Jairus Walker. And right now it's hard to see Jairus Walker's development when he's not getting many minutes. No, Evan Zinery joins us. Forbes Sports NBA has his own NBA column on Substacks on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I I agree with you on that, too. And I I just – maybe I'm wrong about it. I just think from what we have seen, and probably even in some disappointments, what we have seen will expedite this process in their mind to where they're a a little bit more – how should I put this – they use this a little bit more as a here and now type of urgency to go out and get somebody to compete as opposed to what I think we all thought, eh, maybe next year, maybe two years, something like that. I just wonder if the Pacers haven't shown enough to their own front office and the bruised ribs of Chad Buchanan that maybe now is the time or not too far from now is the time to act and see if you can jump in the fray a little bit more than you are right now. Is Evan gone? 
I don't hear him, though. There's no way he can be on the line if I don't hear him. I'm sure whatever he's saying is sounding fantastic. Here's what we want to do here, James, okay? I want to make sure we get Evan back, and I want to get J.J. on here, and I want to get Mike Chappell on here. Evan, are you there at all? Here's what we want to do. Uh, we want to make sure that we get somebody. Dev here at Engineering can phone somebody and get down there and make sure the afternoon sports talk show that utilizes calls has phones that are working. Okay, we want to make sure that we do that. Um, and again, we can. We'll, we'll, we got four o'clock hours wide open anyway. But I want to make sure you tell Evan that I wouldn't mind to bring him back because I do want to hear his answer to that question. And I have a, a couple of other things, especially since yesterday Bobby Marks was on and brought up a couple of different things that was a little bit out of the ordinary in what we most commonly had heard regarding the Pacers and possibilities right there. So, James. I know that's going to be a lot on your plate back there, but you accepted the job, and so be it. Hey, we'll get Evan back coming up in a bit. Brent and I will do our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots coming up at the top of the hour. We've got Week 15, the Colts and the Steelers, and a must-win for the Colts. Not to mention the fact that you've got no Jonathan Taylor, no Braden Smith once again. you get got a running game that has been stalled. Can that thing wake up coming up on Saturday? Plus, if we do get things working, I've got more bullseye eventgroup.com Colts VIP tailgate passes to give away while we're here as well. Great food. We've got the Heaven Hill Distillery products. In fact, I've got a little Bloody Mary working right now. We get the Larcy and Ginger Ale also happening. Pendleton Pike's location of Whiskey Business. Brent Halverson, me, JMV. On the other side, more of me and more of you at JMV 1070 as well. Don't go anywhere. And again, we will revisit the passing of a legend earlier today and the passing of George McGinnis. On every single level, simply put, the best. Oscar Larry, George, all right there in a top three of all time in this state for high school, obviously, to the highest level of basketball accomplishments. Nobody better. Quick break, and we'll come back. Brent Halverson and I reemerge. Our Week 15 picks coming up at the top of the hour. 93.5106. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The fan. The ride with JMV. and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, I'm just looking for you up here. I'd love to see you. I know Brent would love to see you, too, because we got samples to give right here. Larsity, Bourbon Locks, Luna Zool Tequila Shots. Week 15 begins tonight. You talk about a crap house game tonight. Brent Chargers and Raiders, right, tonight? That is uh, correct, John. I was just looking through the uh, the inactives too, but then we're still we still got some time before they officially rule yeah. them. But we know Keenan Allen's out. Yes, I, th- I think the Chargers, Justin Herbert, with Herbert being out and, and being, I think they're done. They're done for. Oh, the they're game. done. They're just yeah. done. So you're going to see like they're, they're Allen cooked, not their play. Their coach is cooked, and yeah, they're, they're cooked. They're going to be just a bunch of nobodies out there. And then you've got uh, the Raiders, which you know they got Jacobs questionable. Devontae Adams, I heard was sick. 
Um, <laughs> I would be too if I were Devontae after that, Adams. Three uh, zero loss last <laughs> week against the Minnesota Tommy Sutton's Minnesota Vikings. Tommy was at that game. I think last I'd be week. sick too. Now I would too. And they're they're just struggling. I'm sick know? right now because uh, hey James, tell me how's the stream doing right now? Are we better? Stream is having I'm some, sick issues, over the stream. some issues still. <laughs> the stream is having some issues. I blame Channel 13 and DirecTV. And two, I blame. If you guys would get your ass in gear and get together on this, then I wouldn't have these streaming difficulties. See, what we're doing on a Thursday, it should make everybody out there mad. I am robbing you, and I mean robbing everybody, from seeing these incredibly handsome, chiseled facial features right here. I feel bad. God, I feel Thanks like a getting, lot, Channel I'm 13. I'm it all for everybody. And I'm just, TV, I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to give it all to you right here, which sounds really <laughs> weird to say. But no, you talk about tonight's game, and then you talk about the weekend of games, and obviously no, uh, you, got, uh, you got no Taylor, you, you got no Smith coming up again for the Colts in a must-win situation at home against the Steelers on Saturday afternoon. I mean, the injuries across the league are just, I mean, they're pretty crazy. And we're talking... Yeah. This is this is kind of a, it's 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 coming down to it right now. So it's everything's on the line. Everybody's playing for a playoff chance, and uh, you know these games really mean a lot. So you've got a lot of second string quarterbacks, third string quarterbacks. Joe Flacco's who were watching TV on the couch yeah. three weeks ago. He's looked great the last couple of weeks. He might lead Cleveland into the playoff. I mean, just a wild scenario. Out Cleveland's there. in a great spot, right? They really now. are. They, they really are. Yeah, pretty pretty wild to see how they've gotten there too. Fourth quarterback. Yeah, so we got our Larsity Bourbon Locks and Luna's Old Tequila Shots top of the hour with me and Brent Halverson. And again, that reminder, uh, the passing of George McGinnis. And Jim sent me this, JMV. I know a lot of your audience knows who Big George was, but really don't know how good he was. I saw McGinnis twice in 1969 when Warren Central played Washington. The first was when Warren played Washington early in the season. Washington won 90-45. to Fast forward to the regional finals, Warren versus Washington part two. We were foolishly excited and thought we could beat Washington because we had both of our six, nine players available. Uh, that did not happen. Before a packed Hinkle Fieldhouse, it was 35 nothing before we scored. Lost by 45 again. And you know what? That's why it's always worthy for us to explain even more so. But there have been very few that have touched central Indiana from high school through professional days, and then on the other side in, you know, careers, in business ownership, in testimonials, in commercials, all, you know, with the Pacers, all that he brought to the table was incredible. And that is a tremendous loss of George McGinnis, as we heard earlier this morning. All right, quick break. We'll come back. Hour two. And we'll get back into that with Jeremiah Johnson, part of the hour. But Brent, hopefully, Brent, Brent and I here at Whiskey Business, we got picks to get to. I got to find out how I did last week. We'll do that coming up on the other side. Free samples flowing. Pendleton Pike Whiskey Business on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. There's a kid in my class that got a boner at PE in high school. He was wearing sweatpants. It's really embarrassing, so this song goes out to him. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 
Who was laughing about that boner and sweatpants thing? Was that you, Brent? I, I might have, I might have chuckled a little bit there, John. There was a t- once upon a time when I was uh, persuaded not to say the word boner on the air, but now I just feel comfortable doing it. You should. So, yeah, doesn't really bother me too much. Hey, we're back at Whiskey Business. A couple of things for you before we get in our Week 15 Large City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Hey, Saturday, remember this? Bullseyeofingroup.com, Colts VIP tailgate, presented by Hayes & Sons Restoration. I've got a couple of passes, number nine at 239-1070. And I'm not going to lie to you because I always tell you 100% of the truth. I'm also doing this because I'm going to see for those guys back at the station if the phone's working right now. So how about that? That's a good trial. Yeah, and it's like a that. good trial and error. See if the phones work. Number nine at 239-1070. I'll see you down there coming up on Saturday. Bullseyeofinkgroup.com and the Colts VIP tailgate. And again, the sad news today is the passing of George McGinnis that was announced by the Pacers earlier this morning. And uh, we have, I have talked about, you know, what he meant, the, the one-handed shot, you know, the ABA success, the ABA ball. And I've said this before when Bob Knight passed away, that I, I really, Bob Knight was my introduction to sports when I was five years old in 1975. And part of that introduction in sports because I love basketball, as you know, and I watched a ton of basketball. And because basically the only thing that was ever televised NBA-wise then would be the NBA Finals. I go back to 76 with the Celtics and the Suns and Gar Hurd and that turnaround jumper. I go to 77 with Bill Walton and Jack Ramsey against Dr. J and the Sixers, that was the Blazers and the Sixers, and uh, George McGinnis was on that 77 team, and really, really good on that 77 team. I believe uh, World Be Free was on that t- uh, team as well, if memory serves. But no, I, I, uh, that, that was my molding as a basketball fan, and I had the poster. I had the George McGinnis poster that said Big Mac. Uh, the Sports Illustrated, George McGinnis poster that said Big Mac, always one of my all-time favorites. And uh, our thoughts are going out to, obviously, his family and the Pacers on just an incredibly profound, tough loss on this afternoon in December for a Central Indiana legend. We talked about that, what went down with the Pacers in Milwaukee last night beyond the double-digit loss, beyond Giannis losing his mind, looking for my ball. Where's my ball? I can't find my ball. The Pacers took my ball. Wait a minute. No, my guy has my ball. I just don't know where my guy is with my ball. Where's my ball? I don't want my ball. He's poking his finger in everybody's face. I tend to look past that, and I see the effect the Pacers have had on one of the league's best. That's how I look at it. Even in a bad loss, even in the game where Yonda scored 64 and a franchise record, all that crap, Pacer fans, for you aside, that, again, is the effect the Pacers have had on the Bucks. That is a good thing. That takes me back. Like, last night's stuff took me back to the off-the-court stuff in the 90s that we all loved. That was our introduction ourselves to great high-level NBA play. That's what I took from last night. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports, Indiana, Pacers TV, bottom of the hour, who was in the middle of it last night up in Milwaukee, joins us bottom of the hour. All right, Brent Halverson rejoins now our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Mike from Whiskey Business is here as well. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hey, JMV. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. Thanks for having us back here. How are things going? They're going great, bud. Appreciate you coming back. I love coming. You know what? I'm going to hit. This is the first time ever. 
So I'm here, right? I'm here today. Tomorrow, I'm down on Southport Road on the south side on a Bud Light Blue Friday. That's never happened before. Double dipping. Double, double dipping. Yeah, dipping. I love it. I love it. I love double dipping right here. What do you guys got on tap before we start here? What do you got coming up this weekend, tonight, uh, whatever? Tonight, we have trivia, live trivia. trivia. What kind of trivia is it? Uh, trivia. <laughs> Okay. I'm all, 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 all different categories. There are different levels. I don't want any of this school. I don't want scholastic trivia. No, it's it's Challenge Entertainment runs it, and uh, I know they do that at several establishments around town. So they're they're the host and movie questions, different, music different, questions, yeah, yeah, all different categories. So I was told by a local business and a good dude too, by the way, too. I'm not going to mention who it is and who they are. They actually initially somebody wanted me to to do a 40 minute talk with their business, right? So you could tell all your stories. You could take questions. And I said, I'm down with that. And then they came back with me and said, hey, uh, the board met and they felt they needed somebody more literary. <laughs> and I really didn't know what that meant. At first, I said, does that mean their ass is boring or does it mean I'm dumb? Which one does it mean? <laughs> is it more literary? Wow. I've got to become more. Could I become more literary? I think you're by pretty, taking part in your trivia contest tonight because evidently I need it. It I, it might make you wiser. I don't know. <laughs> I thought I was literary as a son of a gun, Jay. Every Saturday night, man, I'm playing Eye of the Tiger by Survivor for you. Party all the time, by Eddie Murphy. I know the Rick James produced it. That's literary as hell to me, right there. <laughs> it really is. Come on now. All right, you guys ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. You, you can tell I have no axe to grind on that at all, too, can no, you? No. Literary? What? Yeah, come I'm on. Literary as hell sitting right here. I know, like five words. Come on. Week 15, Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul, Tequila Shots. Let's hit the – the band needs to play here, James. Can we cue the band? Oh, there it is. The music still works. That's good. Week 15, <laughs> we start later on tonight, a gag-worthy NFL starter on this Thursday night, the Chargers and the Raiders. Backup quarterback city and teams with their collective seasons over. As it stands right now, the Raiders at home in Las Vegas. Tommy S. left his mark there last week, by the way, in that 3-0 win by his Vikings over the Raiders. The Raiders look to maybe go scoreless for a second consecutive week. That would be something. I am going to take the three points, however. Give me the Chargers on the road against the Las Vegas Raiders later on tonight in a game that nobody really cares about other than the betting line. Brett, you're going to take Easton Stick. To come out and just come out and cover it, that. What is that? Line. Deodorant? Easton State sounds like it, right? It's, it's, it's either like, a baseball man, bat or deodorant. I, I, I don't use know. Speed stick. <laughs> but I, t- mm-hmm. I, I, I did hear a lot about this kid. He's he rushed for four thousand yards in high school. He rushed for ninety touchdowns. I mean, he's got all these crazy stories. This is the NFL. It's going to be a big awakening. They're in in Vegas. I don't know if that's a big thing or not. Uh, but uh, again, you're right. There's going to be a very uh, odd, low scoring game. I'm going to take the home team that you had not get shut out again. Three nothing. I look for the Raiders to win this one six to nothing. What do you got over there, Mike? Can I preface this by saying I'm horrible at gambling? You'll probably go 16 0. I'm not very literary, though, Mike. I may not understand. So I'm just going with the Connell. O'Connell's playing, right? Yep. All right. I'm going going with them. I like it. it, Hey, might as well. What the hell? I mean, again, all it is is betting on a Thursday night of the NFL. (laughs) Hey, Falcons and the Panthers coming up this weekend. It's the Falcons' three-point favorites. By the way, Atlanta looms on the Colts' schedule here in the month of December. I'm going to go ahead and lay the three. Give me the Falcons on the road in Charlotte. Brent Halverson. Yeah, another not really uh, exciting game here, but I think uh, the Falcons got a little bit more firepower. I think they come out and they can, they're going to go in, in Carolina and win this. Carolina's a, a struggling 1-12 squad, John. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and uh, give me the Falcons. 24-17, they cover that three. Mike, talk to us. Well, I heard somebody say the other day they always like taking the home dog, so I'm going to take Carolina. There you go. All right, I don't know about this, but might Jake Browning maybe find himself as a starter in the NFL next year? Now, again, the Colts were just awful defensively. Hey, here's the screen game. We're not going to stop it. And basically, the Bengals did that the entirety of the game and got the win over the Colts last week. They still have weapons, and that is going to be the difference. And the difference in the backup quarterback and the difference in the game coming up on Sunday. They get the Vikings in Cincinnati, lay the three, and give me the Bengals again, which is bad news for Tommy S. and the Colts fans out there. Brent. Well, you know, you're right. I mean, this uh, the Jake Browning, he really has kind of come on pretty and By the way, he's not going to start games. next he's year. He's not going to start yeah. next year, but he is putting a, a, <laughs> yeah. a case in for himself. His bubble is likely not to, or not to burst like Josh Dobbs did. Right. Josh Dobbs over the last three, four weeks has not looked pretty at all. Tommy, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to get against your team here. I'm going to take Houday. Give me the Bengals. I'll uh, lay the three at home. Are you going to the game? Nope. All right. He said, I had enough of that crap last week in <laughs> Vegas. Since he minus three for me, John. What do you got, Mike? Well, I attended the game last week at uh, yes. Cincy, and being a Colts fan, it was horrible. Were you yelling uh, screen, screen, I didn't even screen. have it in me. Yeah. I, I didn't even have it in me. It was, it was disgusting to watch. Uh, I'll go with the Bengals, though. I love this Broncos-Lions matchup because the Lions, the Lions, as people tout them, it seems like in covering the spread, they have been much worse this season. I'm going to take the Broncos because the Broncos are getting four and a half on the road at Ford Field. Give me Sean Payton and the Broncos with that plus four and a half on Sunday. Brent. You know, that was an interesting call, John. I kind of looked at this a little bit like that, too. I, oh. I think that with Detroit, they struggle on the road outside, especially if it's cold. Golf is not an outside cold player. Yeah. They're going back home. I think they're going to right the ship here a little bit. I'll lay the uh, four and a half. I'd buy that half point to take it to four. Give me Detroit Lions at home. Mike. Give me the Lions also. Sounds All right. good, Brent. Yeah, the, uh, the, Packers, the Packers were very disappointing for my colleague, Brent Halverson. Oh, going back to Monday night right there. Jordan Love taketh, Jordan Love giveth. It was kind of a taking and a giving on Monday night a little bit, right? Just it, kind of a it was horrible. up and down, a horrible effort right there. But I think you're going to get a Packer bounce back, minus three and a half. The Packers are the favorites at home. Lambeau Field against the Buccaneers lay the three and a half. And give me your team, Brent Alverson. I like that, John. And, you know, it was very, very hard to watch there. And Jordan just didn't look like he had it in sync at all. You know, we were struggling without, of course, Aaron Jones. We haven't had him most of the year. Christian Watson's been a big Big issue for us not having him. He is still questionable. We got a lot of questionable guys on the uh, on the roster coming up for that game. So I, I do think we're going to right the ship here on this one too. I'll take the pack. Lay the three and a half. What do you got, Mike? Go pack, go. Yeah, the Packers. Like the call there, Mike. And the Dolphins. Mike McDaniel said, "Hey, that loss last week to Tennessee can be galvanizing for our team." I I don't know if that's galvanizing or not. Maybe so. I, I guess they're a little bit fortunate in terms of. Miami this weekend, they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Jets. The Jets coming off a win of their own in surprising fashion against the Texans. This scares me a little bit, but I'm going to lay that eight-and-a-half, and I'm going to think about a team that has been galvanized by a disappointing loss last week. Give me the Dolphins, Brent. Yeah, this one, I mean, it's going to come down to Tyreek Hill, right? Is he is Hill playing? I mean, he he got hurt. He came back in. But if they're galvanized, it may not if matter. They're not, okay, if they're galvanized, <laughs> that may not matter. You're absolutely right. 
You know what? I, I, I still think Miami's got too much firepower. Uh, that Jets team, they, they, they was 0-0 at halftime. They came yes. out and fired away second half and uh, looked pretty good. And Zach Wilson had a good game. He looked like an NFL quarterback. I don't think it happens two weeks in a row. Give me the Dolphins to lay the eight and a half. What do you got over there, Mike? Give me the fish. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Ludo's Oil Tequila Shots, Week 15, Whiskey Business. That's Mike, the owner. Brent Halverson, JMV here with our selections. The Giants, DeVito and not Danny, but Tommy and his entire family. It was like they were trying to make this thing out to be an episode of The Sopranos, if you remember this past week. But, man, the Giants did get it done against Brent Halverson's Packers. However, this week, even with the Saints, it's going to be much different. The six scares me a little bit. I'm going to lay that six and give me the Saints in New Orleans coming up this weekend, Brent. Yeah, it's going to be a six is a good number for this game. I mean, because I think it's right there. It's six, DeVito. seven point. DeVito. Yeah. Tommy Cutlets. Oh, yeah. Tommy Chicken Cutlets. Chicken Cutlets. Was he, uh, was he getting the, they call, they call sauce gravy. That's what they did in Goodfellas and the Sopranos is yeah. gravy. Yeah. Like, Tommy you know, meat sauce is gravy. <laughs> gravy. Gravy to me is like something brown. You're very there. literal. You got, you're literary. You're very literal. Is, strong here. Man. Literally strong. literal. You're literally literal. Yes. Uh, but I, I think, I think the Saints are going to get this. They're going to win by, uh, <laughs> let's call it a, let's call it a touchdown. 23-16. Saints, cover the six. Mike's got good red sauce here. What do you got, Mike? I think I'll go with the Saints on that one myself. How about the Titans last week? That surprise win against Miami that supposedly galvanized. I know that looks like Davis Mills is going to get that start coming up this weekend for an injured C.J. Stroud. The rookie was having a great season, dinged up last weekend. At least I saw from NFL Network that he is in line to start this weekend. Oh, that changes everything for me right there. In Nashville, three-point favorites. The Titans lay the three. Give me Tennessee in a situation that very realistically could help out the Colts a great deal. Brent. Yeah, Tennessee, excuse me, they look good. And and like you said, Houston is depleted. They lost. I mean, Nico Collins went down. And and, uh, Tank Dell, of course, lost him for the season. C.J. Stroud, if he's not playing, I don't think they're going to be in this game. With, You're not uh, a Davis to, Mills fan, are you, right there? No, I'm not a Davis Mills fan. I think what C.J. You know, Stroud's done is very remarkable, and I would, I would back him. He might be able to do something. Maybe we're underselling Davis Mills a little bit well, right here. You know, the line's Maybe. only three right now, so it's not anything crazy. Mm. And Tennessee doesn't blow people out. They you know, don't. They're 25th in the NFL in scoring, so it's not like they're going to get out there and pump a bunch of points on you. Uh, I'm going to take Tennessee, though. I like the, I mean, the way they looked, the way they played. Uh, I'm going to take them. Let's uh, lay the three. Titans. What do you got over there, Mike? Well, you know, the Colts need the Texans to lose if the Colts are going to keep making this playoff push. And I know. That's what you like. I'm Even if you were disappointed Texans. with Gus I'm, Bradley's defense last I'm going to take the Texans just because I know that Colts need them to lose. Oh, here's my idea right here. Larceny, Bourbon, Locks, and Luna's Zool Tequila Shots. This is my dumb play of the week. That Niners are the best team out there. Make no mistake. But you watch me get completely screwed over by this 12-and-a-half-point figure right here. On the road in Arizona, Cardinals stink, but the backdoor cover stinks even worse. I'm going to go ahead and lay the 12-and-a-half and take the Niners, and I'm going to regret that next week. Brent Halverson, what do you got? Big number against a bad team, John. I, I just don't think uh, – I mean, Arizona, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling. They're 3-and-10. Uh, uh, Murray, he's got a little bit of flashback in him, but I just don't think they can handle this. Uh, I think the best team in the NFL is San Francisco 49ers. I think they win by 14-plus, so I'll lay the 12-and-a-half with you. Can what do you, you got over there, Mike? I agree with Brent. I'm going to go with the Niners. By the well, way, you. I, I got a, a text from Rick Venturi, who's listening right now, and says both Sherry and I come from a deep, deep Italian family. 
Never called it gravy. That's a Jersey thing all the way. And I mentioned Goodfellas, the Sopranos. Get in there and stir the gravy. Stir the gravy. Stir the gravy. So yeah, you do that well. I do. You do that well. Hey, I just got Thank a text you, Rick from Lisa Mitchell, Ray. By the way. Lisa Ray's listening to us. Wanted to say hello. Love. Well, shout out she's to Lisa awesome. Ray. Lisa Ray is she's awesome. She's talented. She is very talented. We need I to want... get her on to have her yes. sing to us. Maybe she could sing while we do some picks. What's uh, what's your favorite song that Lisa Ray does? All of them. Yeah. Just all of them. Does she do, uh, they do a lot of covers of like 10,000 Maniacs, Natalie Merchant stuff too. Does she do any Natalie Merchant? I, I, I would have to wait to see her reply we'll on wait, that. I don't know that we'll I've wait, We'll wait on that, that right there. Her. So shout out to Lisa Ray and Rick Venturi. See, we have incredible figures, big time personalities listening to this show. It's largely bourbon locks. Luna Azul Tequila Shots, week 15, whiskey business. Pendleton Pike is our location today. All right, get back to it. We got the Rams and the Commanders, SoFi Stadium in Southern California. Six and a half point favorites of the Rams. I'll probably regret this too, but I'm going to lay that six and a half and give me the Rams at home at SoFi. Brent? Yeah, this is, a, this is an ugly game. I mean, it's one of those games that, you know, what Rams team do you get, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Stafford's look good, though, as of late. Puka Nakua's doing some action. Cooper Cup's actually finally back, it looks like. I'm going to join you there, John. I'll lay the six and a half. Give me the Rams. What do you got over there, Mike? I'll agree. I'll take the Rams. All right. Cowboys and Bills. I love this. I think the Bills all of a sudden have found something. I don't know if it's the effect of not having Ken Dorsey now for a number of weeks. uh, What, a month plus not being the offensive coordinator. But they're playing a lot better. Spreading it around a little bit. Cowboys, however, if the Niners aren't the best team working right now, the Cowboys would be the best team working right now. I would suggest so, two-point favorites at home in Buffalo or the Bills. I'm going to take that, too, and give me the Cowboys on the road. They're oh, I was going to give you a good song lyric right there, but it didn't make a lot of sense. We'll just move on, then. I'll take it. Because I'm long, and I'm strong, and I'm down to get the friction on. Do you know what song that is? Yes, I do. Uh, Baby Got Back. That's it, yeah. I'm so long, I'm not really and I'm up in my rap. It has really nothing to do with this whatsoever, so. <laughs> but your yeah. knowledge. I regret your, saying your, your it literal, I do, I regret saying it. Right. What do you got? Uh, hey, this game right here, this is the one that I'm, I, I think, the biggest on the slate, right? We saw Buffalo go into Kansas City and win last week. Again, controversial there towards the end. But Dallas Cowboys, they're playing some of the best ball out there. They're right up there. I mean, this NFC is going to be a, a, just a great thing to watch come playoff time. I think Dallas goes in there and gets this win. They're going to get you know, your plus two. I'd buy the point, get them plus three because it could be a field goal game. I look to see more of a shootout though. But I'm going to take Dallas with you. What do you got, Mike? I think I'm going to go Hoyle on that. I'm going. I'm going Buffalo Bills. I think. I think uh, they need it. They Buffalo need it. Buffalo definitely no needs question. it to stay in it. And, and the Colts don't want to see Buffalo get back in it. So that's that's one thing. I don't too. know if Dallas is going to go up there. It's going to be cold in Buffalo. You know, bad it is, weather. It is Buffalo. I, think, I don't know I, what the weather's I supposed think to be. Buffalo's going to. I think they're going to crush him, actually. All right, Eagles and Seahawks, I can't lie. And I have nothing against him, but I, I think it's kind of funny when Nick Sirianni whines and kind of cries around. However, that won't be this weekend. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites, Philly on the road in Seattle. Lay the three-and-a-half, and there's going to be a smile and not crying Nick Sirianni after this week 15 matchup, Brent. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got some things to work out and get uh, they have to right their ship, as we say. And the Seattle, they've lost four in a row. Uh, Gino still banged up, so we'll see what he's coming back with him. I think Philadelphia is going to go in there and get the win. I think they cover this always by the half point, lay the three. What do you got, Mike? I agree. I think uh, Philly's going to get it right this week and and get back on track and 
Man, the Ravens. You know, I've I've undersold the Ravens so far. I've talked about two NF, uh, NFC teams being the best, and the Ravens have uh, certainly been right there near the top, certainly in the AFC to this point. Uh, Three-point favorites on the road against Jacksonville. Things look messy for the Jaguars right now. I'm going to lay that three and give me the Ravens on the road in a nice matchup. Brent Olverson, what do you got? Yeah, I, I'm kind of struggling here, John. I'm sitting there looking. I've got too much chalk I'm taking. I've got too many road, road favorites going yeah. on here. But I'm with you. I think Baltimore Ravens, uh, you know, again, they're 10-3. They're and three. They're looking really, really strong. They look like the team to beat in the AFC to me. Uh, and Jacksonville, like I say, a lot of questionables going on there. I'll take Baltimore later three. What do you got over there, Mike? I agree. Baltimore's been tough. It, Lawrence still out for Jacksonville? No, he's in. He's in. Oh, he is yeah, in. he was in last he week too, last and week. it didn't work out for him. Yeah, I was yeah. say he might be a little gimpy. Yep. So, I think yeah, I think he's good. They're just they're in a spot right now. So I'll take the Ravens. It, it, it seems like if there's a team out there that's kind of spinning a bit out of a control that you felt really good about three weeks ago, that is that team, Mike. There's no doubt about that in Jacksonville. All right, the Chiefs and the Patriots. There's another team that's spinning out of control, and here's how you can tell. You can tell the season's not going according to what they thought when everybody collectively starts crying and whining over something that was blatantly obvious, and that was the offsides on Kendarius Tony that ended up, taking away a scoring play that, by the way, was a spectacular play call and a design, but it took it away nonetheless. And then Kansas City is just not having the type of season they thought, but they're still right there, and they're still plenty good enough on the road to beat New England and Foxborough. Lay that seven and a half and give me the Chiefs without the whining and the crying from the coach and the quarterback this week. This is one of those games. I just it, It's scary, right? That hook, that seven yeah. and a half, that hook is on there. Kansas City, I mean, they've lost the last two games in a row. Um, You've got to think they're going to get this one right. But the Patriots are battling for Belichick's life right now, apparently. But they came out and looked good last week for, for an ugly game. They came out and fired away. I still thought I can't go against Mahomes. They don't lose three in a row. If they're going to cover, that's at half point. Again, buy it, take it to seven, look for the push. Uh, Kansas City, give me Kansas City on the road. What do you got over there, Mike? I'm going to have to agree with that also. I don't think the Chiefs lose three in a row, and uh, I don't care for Belichick, so I hope he takes it. <laughs> Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Our final for week number 15 will be the one on Saturday, and that is a must-win for the Colts. I understand this fully. The Colts aren't simply put good enough for me to be able to say, you've got to control and you've got to do I understand that. They're just not good enough. But in their home environment against this Steelers team, even with a cleared from concussion protocol, T.J. Watt, and you better have enough. See, we, two weeks ago, we went from, hey, this is a really nice story, and nobody ever thought it was going to be this way, to start having some expectations. And mind you, I completely understand why you lose to Cincinnati on the road, but defensively it was a joke. I will not understand if you lose to the Steelers in that fashion at home on Saturday when you know and everybody knows what is all on the line, and then you factor in that the Steelers suck. So with all those variables together, I am going to go ahead and take the Colts in this matchup on Saturday. A one-and-a-half-point favorites, I believe, at home. That is correct. As of right now. That is correct. Lay that one-and-a-half and give me the Colts. And if they don't, I'm going to be griping and complaining coming up on Monday. That's a guarantee from JMV. I can see that happen for sure. I yeah. can see that griping and complaining coming. But, however, I think you're right on. I think I think this is a, this is a field goal game. It's a 23-20 written all over it. 
I want to take the Colts here to get that, uh, be on the right side of that 23. Colts cover the uh, one and a half. John, I'm with you. Mike, what do you got over there? I think the Colts put all the ugliness behind them from last week and, and come out strong this week. Take it. Were you pretty disappointed in Cincinnati? Oh, I, they just couldn't get out of their own way. I've gone to Cincinnati so many times and left, going back I-74, disappointed as a Reds fan. It's almost like a rite of passage. Yep. You just go, I'm, oh, with I'm you. disappointed. I'm with you. You, you just you hope that, you know, the La Rosas is good or you have a nice <laughs> big boy or something like that, right? Hoping for, what is it, the 10 or 12 strikeouts get you a free La Rosa? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. That's what you're hoping for right there. Hey, our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna's Old Tequila Shots. Let's look this over here before we hit a break, Brent. Speaking of Luna's Old Tequila Shots, I didn't get my shout-out for uh, the fantasy playoffs starting this week, John. They do. There's a good receiver out there that uh, was out there in most leagues that he's turned it on the last four games. He's become Lamar's main guy. Yeah. That's good old Odell Beckham Jr. So oh, yeah. if you're looking for a receiver, go out and uh, get yourself some of that Odell Beckham Jr. He's by, back. By the way, I don't think I mentioned the final score. 22-16 is what I had for the Colts. 22-16. And we did not go over last week. We were... Tremendous slouches. It was it was rough. We were both rough last week, John. I think we were both five, rough. seven, and one. I think it was five, five nine, and one. Five, Excuse nine, me. and one. Yes, that puts. Uh, I used to be six feet tall. I think I'm five, nine, and one right now because <laughs> I'm shrinking. Are you shrinking? Uh, not yet. I may be shrinking. Hey, Still Bill, you think it. I'm shrinking? Have I have I shrunk since you met me years ago? I think I am. You know, I, I kind of I remind myself of a beer can. You ever crush a beer can from the top to the bottom? That's what's happening right now. When the can kind of goes out and then gets shorter, I'm like a crushed beer can. Why is that? It's hard to explain, John. I just don't. It's, it's I need to, to be more motivated, don't I? I think. Well, your yeah. literacy is really stepping up. Your uh, motivation <laughs> level. We'll build on that a little I'm bit. A, I'm a literate as uh, hell right here. Hey, what you got coming up this weekend again, Mike? Uh, we have a groove smash on Friday. I like it. And uh, darn it, I just blanked on the Saturday Is band. Uh, see, that's a good name oh, of a band. Lit. Darn it, I just blanked on the Saturday band. I had it. Lit Soul Band comes in like Saturday. It. So Hey, if anybody takes that band name idea, darn it, I just blanked on the Saturday band. I'm going to be mad about that. <laughs> I want a little bit of the money out of that, too. What do you got? Well, I actually wanted to chat with Mike. So they just recently opened up. Well, not yeah. recently now, but smashed in Irvington. Yeah, right? How's smashed. That oh, really? Smashed. Okay. Well done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. You know, different, little, little different from the sure. bar life. And Irvington is a great area. Yeah. We're you know, right. I've never done a show over there. Hint, hint. Never in Irvington. Do one from Smash. I'm telling why won't? Yeah, I've never done a show in Irvington. You know, we're right, we're right next to the theater. Our landlord actually owns the Irving Theater. And, wow. you know, that stage, yep. I, I'm told there's pieces of it that were the original stage that Elvis played on at Market Square Arena. So, wow. That's outstanding right there. That's a pretty there. cool little tidbit. Yeah. yeah. Be a good well, time. Well, yes. Awesome. I've never done a show in Irvington. I think it's about time we do that. It's smash. Well, if you, could, if you could bring the sunshine and the warm weather back, I think that would be great. But well, look, Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Look at we, it. We are, we are definitely coming for that. Mike, thanks for having us, Thank too, you. man. And you get a double dip tomorrow down at yeah, uh, South Southside. What do you got going on the Southside this weekend? Can you tell us that? We have live bands over there as well. Uh, the Big 80s on Friday. Ooh, the oh, big, no, oh. They're on Saturday. Phil okay. Curley and the Enablers is Friday. And the Big 80s. Yeah, if you, you I, there. I could stay right there. You're familiar with the Wombleys? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, Phil Purley with the Wounds. Oh, Leases. cool. That's so awesome. He's got about five different band variations, so he'll well be there done. on Friday. And Gina, she yep. she does Killing Karma and uh, a few other 
fans as well, and she'll be there with the big 80s on we, uh I'll tell you what, this audience loves whiskey business, whether it's down on the south side where we'll be tomorrow for our Bud Light Blue Friday or up here off of Pendleton Pike on the northeast side and the location of Whiskey Business. That's Mike. Mike, thank you very much. I want to thank friend. you guys. Thanks, Brent, for thank you. bringing in your brands and Appreciate really taking care of us and, and helping. Jamie. And you guys it's make one hell of a Bloody Mary, by God. I'll, Let me tell you that. Well, thank you very much. You got it. Thank I'll you. try to see you over there sat, uh, tomorrow night. You know that. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Brent. Brent's going to stand by. Jeremiah Johnson was in the thick of it last night in Milwaukee. The lowdown, the breakdown... And the sound of Jeremiah Johnson, uh, Pacers TV, Valley Sports Indiana. He joins us next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. At Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna's Oil Tequila Shots on a Thursday. We love whiskey business. Pendleton Pike, Oak Landon. We would love to see you up here. Brent Halverson, JMV. Devin's the on-site engineer. James back of the studio freaking out because stuff wasn't working. But James, Cam, and the gang came together and got stuff working once again inside the lounge via YouTube Live or 239-1070. Thank you very much for listening and being a part of this show today. Pacers lose by double figures. Giannis goes for 64, a franchise record. And you're going to ask me, why are you so excited? I'll tell you right now, and joining us from Pacers Television, Jeremiah Johnson is with us. Hey, before we dive into last night and get to where this goes from here, I'm with listener Michael Smith. If the Pacers don't hand out many basketballs when the Bucks come back and play on January the 3rd, it's a missed promotional opportunity. I would agree with that. Many basketballs coming up on the 3rd when the Bucks are yeah, in we- town? With with the inscription of Oscar Shibway's first point. <laughs> <laughs> like the date. The date yeah. <laughs> the date and the time of it that happened. That's exactly. that's spectacular right there. Hey, I, I, I didn't want to ask you this. Well go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, JJ. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I saw that tweet actually last night as well and shared it with some friends. This is one of those times where uh the app they formerly called Twitter uh, fans can provide some pretty good comic relief. So I have enjoyed some of the things I've read over the last 24 hours. Hey, was there any thought in your mind? Because I think some said, is Rick pulling the plug on this game a little bit earlier? I mean, it was you know above the five-minute mark, below the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And I have to admit, I initially did kind of wonder if he was, and, and even more so, I kind of wondered if he did that Maybe thinking, yeah, I don't want to see Giannis really get a franchise record on our dime right here. Did you ever think at the moment when he yanked the starters that that at all was on his mind? I would say not the second. I don't think it had anything to do with Giannis at the record. I think the reason was probably big picture in mind and with where this team has been over the last couple weeks and to simply not put any unnecessary – uh, tread on the tires, if you will. Let those guys get right. a little bit of rest. Yeah. And, and also let some of the youngsters 
get some game opportunity, knowing there would probably be, still be a couple of minutes that they would play against the Bucks' best players, but also not just give them the final 90 seconds of a game, but let them go out, work up a sweat, uh, get some real NBA action, because they sit there and watch a lot of the time. And you probably felt with five or six minutes to go in a 20-point deficit, it was just not going to be the Patriots' night. So um, at, at the beginning, I don't have anything against the Bucks keeping their guys on the court, but it, I think it was the way that they treated from the five-minute mark to the, the three-minute mark, calling a specific ISO play to get Giannis the ball repeatedly. That's where uh, the bad feelings kind of started. And, I, and as we have this conversation, I'll, I'll try to share everything from my perspective and not, you know, speculation or things like that. But uh, initially there was some – there was a little bit of disappointment with the way the Bucks were handling things once the Patriots made their subs. I would agree with you. I wasn't mad at all that they left the starters in. I just thought that it was – I thought it was their first-year head coach kissing ass, to be honest with you. That's what I thought. I thought he's just smooching their rear end right now. That's, that's what he's doing. But, yeah, again, that could be wrong, but that was my thought when he left them in, and that, that, didn't, that didn't bug me. But – I was excited about it because I felt it was clear. The Pacers had had such a profound effect in these first two wins, and especially the one last Thursday in Vegas in that semifinal, that that's the reaction. One of the NBA's elite on a Wednesday in December in their home gym, that was their response. And, J.J., beyond losing by 14 and beyond being embarrassed with Giannis putting up 64 – that is a, to me, that's a great moment for the Pacers as a part of this rebuild right now because that's the type of effect they have had on one of the NBA's elite. I love that. I love it. I, don't, I love that it's a rivalry. I hope it turns into a rivalry. And, of course, winning and losing is what it matters, and you want to win. But I thought last night was well beyond that with all of the reactions of the Bucks from start to finish. I think you hit it exactly, and that's what I was thinking today, and I talked with both Miles and Bruce Brown at practice um, about that exact topic, about especially Miles. He's been through a lot of different eras with this team, and in the last few seasons, the Pacers would show up to play a team, and the team would maybe choose that night to rest some of their players, or maybe they wouldn't take the Pacers seriously. And Indiana would have some wins over the last couple of seasons that maybe they should not have just because a team would not take them seriously. That is not happening anymore. And so you had the in-season tournament experience. You have some of the other wins to start this season. You have the attention that Tyrese Halliburton and company are getting. And now you have to know every single night, even on a Friday night against the Washington Wizards, they're going to be ready to play the Pacers. So you can't let up there. You're going to go then play the Timberwolves' best team uh, in the Western Conference right now on Saturday night on the second half of the back-to-back. You better be ready because they are not going to overlook the Pacers. And so I think that's a really good thing, and specifically with that Bucks rivalry. We'll need to see this, you know, continue in terms of a back-and-forth over the next couple of seasons, maybe even a playoff series to officially say that. The Pacers got the two wins here, and they got the one win at the end of last season. But uh, you need a little bit more on the Pacers side of the ledger to to really call it a rivalry. But I see all the makings of one that is going to be one of those four, you know, four times a year that they'll play five this season. It's going to be the ones you want to be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. You want to tune in on television because you know there's going to be some added intensity, some added juice from the opening tip. And we saw that last night for sure. It wasn't just after the game. That was one of the most intense first quarters of just a December NBA game that I've seen in a while. 
Well, you get the forearm shiver and then the lean into Tyrese Halliburton, and, and, you, and you get that, and then obviously the officials dealt with that. But yeah, the, the, the half-ass grabbing of the head and, hey, everything's okay with Halliburton, that, that, from, that from Giannis was lame and fake as they come right there. And, again, I love that. And you're right. The Pacers have to back it up by consistently winning. But it wasn't lost on me last night that a team I felt felt so disrespected by those first two losses and especially the one last week with a myriad of reasons, whether it was, you know, Tyrese Halliburton pointing at his wrist uh, like, you know, Damian Lillard did, and that's his signature or whatever. It had an effect on the Bucks. And I'm telling you what, J.J., we've been looking for that around here for a long damn time. And that's how I view that as good. Uh, I actually agree with you 100%. Uh, you want to be the team that is in that upper echelon. And there's a clear marking in the NBA, let's just say the Eastern Conference. If you ask the average NBA fan or even expert, they're going to give you the Celtics. They're going to give you the Bucks, They're going to give you the Sixers. They'll, they'll throw the heat in because of the success that they've had. That's a little bit of a fraternity. And those guys, they don't want any new teams coming in. And so while uh, the rest of the basketball fans, they think that the Pacers story is cool, Pacers fans are loving what they're seeing of this up-and-coming Pacers team. Those teams that are at the top right now, they don't want to let them in. And so you could see that that, what happened in Vegas, what happened a few weeks ago at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, that did not sit well with the Bucks. And in some ways, I'm, I'm okay with that because – to be the team that's considered in that upper echelon, you've got to beat them repeatedly, and you've got to get knocked down, and then how do you get back up? And so that just adds more fuel to that game, January 1st in Milwaukee, and then the following uh, two nights later, January 3rd. There are some games both teams will play in between, but I can tell you what, I'm already excited to see those. Well, and I will say this, even with the, the first two wins in that loss last night, I, the Pacers aren't at a position where they're, like, ready for this constant, right? They still have a lot of holes to fill, a lot of growth to be done, a lot of maturation, what have you. But the simple fact that it's happened and then somebody else out there that's good has noticed what is going on here, I think people sometimes forget how big of a deal that is. And, J.J., with your postgame show – and I could tell you were doing this on the fly because you had all that info evolving right behind you. That had the feeling of some 90s stuff right there, which I think my age group, above and below, that's the golden era around here that we all embrace. Yeah, I mean, you think about Pacers-Knicks when you think about the 90s and some of those rivalries, and I have no idea what it was like to broadcast some of those games. But it was an intense couple of minutes knowing that the game broadcast was going to wrap up, seeing what happened on the court, a little bit of frustration uh, between staffs, and then to see Giannis run out to the tunnel. I tried to observe what I could, but it was really tough in the 60 seconds or so between uh, the players going back to the tunnel and then me having to stay on the court and, and try to at least um, you know, show the fans what we had and let them know this wasn't your average post-game scene. I mean, so many times it's handshakes and high fives and, and you wrap up the night and you show the three-pointers and the dunks. This was completely different. This was there, there weren't a lot of those happy moments between the two teams, and, and obviously people have seen some of the footage as well. So it was a little bit unusual that nothing can prepare you for that and to have that first segment just by myself. I, some people said, catch your breath. 
because I, the emotions can get to you a little bit. It wasn't like I was running back and forth, but I had a lot going on, and I, I at least wanted to make sure that the, the, the viewers knew that it was, it was an unusual scene, and we're there to basically be uh, the eyes and ears for those at home that are not there, and so I just wanted to let them know at least something was going on. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana, Pacers TV on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did anybody ever inform Giannis that one of the numbnut Buck staffers took that basketball that he was looking for? Anybody like ever even say anything? Because he looked like yeah. he looked like an idiot. He looked like a complete idiot. Yeah, I don't know what all what was said to him when. I do know he did go to the press conference room significantly later than normal. In fact, as we left the arena, which is usually about 40 minutes or so after a game would conclude, he had still yet to go to the press conference room. And so he certainly had enough time to, to get his thoughts and to get the full story by the time he went in there. And he was still adamant at that point that he did not have the correct basketball. So I don't know all the details about that specifically. Um, we know he cares about the game ball more than I ever thought he would have. He gave about a three-minute answer when asked if he had the, the, the right game ball and went on and on and on and on. So he still cared about it significantly after everything took place. What did uh, So the Pacers have to go to David Busters after the game and win a ball for Oscar Sheboy? How did that work? <laughs> I don't know. I, I do know through Rick Carlisle's press conference that there are a couple of basketballs. So I have a feeling the mementos from the game, you know, there's the backup game ball. There might even be a third. And, and maybe that was part of the issue that at least Giannis didn't want to look as selfish. So he did say later that it was yeah. also about Damian Lillard getting the basketball, which I don't think was what oh, he was yeah. really upset. I, I think he came up with that a little bit later personally. Uh, but I think there might be three game balls that will be, that will exist for posterity's sake. Uh, Oscar Sheebway will have one. Damian Lillard will have one. And Giannis will have one, and it will probably be a mystery that only a couple people know which one was the actual ball used during the game. Can we give Marcus Johnson and Elisa Byington one, too, and tell them to shove it up their rear ends? Can we do that? <laughs> I'll let you comment on that, but they do get a little bit of a free pass through all this. Uh, I was frustrated yeah. and disappointed to hear what they had to say, and if nothing else had happened, that would have been one of the big stories similar to the uh, Wally Zerbiak from a year ago. I, I guess I just don't understand. I mean, I am in a similar position to that. Uh, talk about teams that the Pacers play 82 times a year. And some of the things that, that they said, or that he specifically said, I've never once thought to say into a microphone, um, I, I just, I, it seemed like it was personal, which I, I have a hard yeah, time. Yeah, and she just it. giggled, too. She giggled. <laughs> he was just standing there. No, he wasn't just standing yeah. there. He forearm shivered and leaned into him. He wasn't just, <laughs> yeah, it was stupid. It makes me want to make fun of him even more. Well, that's exactly what your role is here, so I'll let it you. It is. Yes, it's, uh, that is I my role. You. Yes. And I, I won't argue with you. <laughs> Yeah, James, reach out to Marcus Johnson and see if Marcus to come on the show. I will say this about him, though. When all that stuff went down, and I'll say this to close, uh, he did say, you know, Giannis or somebody needs to get him off the floor because he's ruining what was a great moment. And, of course, uh, he called, you know, he, he referenced Tyrese Halliburton as, you know, being a, uh, a wannabe superstar 
last night for Giannis with how things went down in the final five minutes, that was a wannabe 60-piece right there. That was a wannabe 64. It was with the way things went down. You can look at it to me. You can make a connection the same way as you would in saying that outwardly regarding Tyrese Halliburton. It was, that wow. was a fake 60. I was surprised by all of the actions and uh, not thinking that he would care so much about that, having obviously never gotten to 50 and know if, if, the, if the record is close, maybe that was something that was very important to him. So obviously it was more important yeah. than I thought it would be. I did actually you know, enjoy the fact that Ben Shepard hits a few threes the deficit to 10, he'd already taken his shoes <laughs> yeah. off, and then he had to put them back in. I it was, like it was Shepard's fault, him. yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that he was able to get to 64 because of that, but I did find it yeah. quite comical that he, that he had to go back into the game. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana. He's got the uh, Wizards and the Pacers coming up tomorrow night in Washington at least for the time being, until they move to Northern uh, Virginia. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, outstanding work as that evolved last night. Very enjoyable. I thought that the after game was much more enjoyable than the, the end of game that I had to view, we had to watch. But job well done as usual, buddy. Oh, and Chris and Quinn called it early in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was one of the longest games in terms of the clock that you'll ever see. Yeah. Not just the number of free throws, but then the length of time it takes Giannis to actually uh, shoot a free throw. I mean, it was yeah. it was a long night. By the time we're doing the postgame show and we're recapping some of the first quarter highlights, I, I barely remembered them. So it was one of those nights you play 82. Uh, the Pacers playing 83 this season. Some come and go and you'll forget about them. We won't forget that one uh, for quite some time. And we'll especially remember it on January 1st. And we're celebrating the new year back in Milwaukee. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson of Bally Sports Indiana Pacers TV on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. We'll be watching tomorrow night. Job well done. I appreciate that, John. And, you know, two weeks in a row, the entire NBA is talking about the Pacers. So they're, they're the worst things. You prefer to be probably the kind of talk, talk topics and conversations last week. But uh, everywhere you go, people yep. are having an opinion yep. and paying attention. And I do think that this team, mostly on the court, is doing the kinds of things that are – are opening eyebrows. They're they're getting this um, the message out there about this team around the NBA, and I think it will only continue. JJ, appreciate you, man. Have a great broadcast tomorrow. All right, thanks, John. Whiskey business, Pendleton Pike, me, Brent, other side, Mike Chapel, top of the hour, ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Wow. I don't know what to say. I guess, wow. I guess the only thing I can say is I'll promise to keep rocking and rolling and making better films. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Whiskey business, Northeast Side. This is Pendleton Pike, everybody. Oak Landon. Last of the Bourbon Locks, Luna's Will Tequila Shots Thursday. Thank you for joining us. Pacers Bucks from last night of the aftermath. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports, Indiana, just joined us. He was right there in the middle of it. Well, we did our week 15 picks with Brent Olverson and Mike a moment ago, too. Evan Sidery 
as well a little bit earlier. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, we've been talking about a, a lot of fun, exciting things so far today. And one incredible, incredible bummer uh, is the fact that we lost a legend, a legend in the history of Indiana basketball, really, from high school all the way through professional. And then after that, with the level of uh, business acumen, relationships personally built, just um, an incredibly gentle human being, George McGinnis passed away earlier today. And, you know, beyond talking about the Colts, which we'll get into in a second, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 joins us. I know you've been a part of Central Indiana sports forever. Um, there was, frankly, nobody like George McGinnis around here, and there hasn't been since. No, we were – again, we got together with uh, – Jake Query was there. We got together Tuesday at IREA's. Uh, we always do, and you know, for David Benner and Robin and all this, and then we start talking yeah. basketball, and we were using, you know, who 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 are the four Mount Rushmores of Indiana basketball, and it was the first three are easy. It's George, you know, Oscar and Larry Bird. And then you can argue until you're blue in the face on number four. But George was, un- he could have been an all everything tight end. Uh, we. As it turned out, we both graduated at the same time in 69. I think that's when George graduated. He was Mr. Basketball. And I was at Beach Grove, and we, we followed him sometimes. So in the tournament, we went, I think it was to Columbus, and they beat up on one of the Columbus schools with was it George Faber and the other guy, who was Newsom, Jerry, Jerry Newsom, I think it was. But yeah, my, my the, the thing that sticks with me, and it's incredible, memories Mr. Basketball, and they go down to Kentucky, and they beat him whatever and George had I don't know 20 and whatever 20 and 12 whatever the number and all the Kentucky players and the media were like who is this guy I thought this guy was you know really really good they come back to Andy and he dropped like 54 and 30 on him and oh that's George McGinnis uh, so just a truly truly amazing player and he 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 wasn't Dr. J he wasn't quite that, but he and Dr. J were sort of the driving force back then, ABA, NBA, and all that. So it's whenever I was doing some Pacer stuff for the Star, whatever, or I, that would have been for like uh, the Anderson paper. Uh, he was just he was just accessible, and I've dealt with him in the past for, for whatever, like you know, later on for whatever reasons, and he was always there, just a great person. I know he's been through some difficult things. I think with, with his back or something. But when you lose guys like that, it, you know, like when you lose Slick or whatever, it's just it just makes you sort of pause, and then you remember all the why he was, who he was, and the impact he had. And George was it, the, the one thing I remember again is, is what the star of the news. Uh, somebody nicknamed him the baby bull and he hated it hated it he thought it dehumanized him but it, it was men it was men as praise he was you know, like somebody mentioned he was lebron before lebron because he was just an unbelievable athlete who could have done a lot of things had it not been just a power forward in basketball 
Yeah, it's uh, Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 uh, talking today about the passing of George McGinnis. Again, reported uh, first released informationally by the Pacers late this morning. And we have been talking about that throughout the course of the afternoon as well. And, you know, you mentioned it professionally, ABA with the Pacers, that success, 1977 with Dr. J. And the Sixers, they lose the NBA Finals to Portland, but still just an incredible season for him. And, you know, ending up back with the Pacers, I think he closed out in, in Denver to close out his NBA career. But just um, an incredible guy and an incredible personality, too. I, I met him more than a handful of times, and nobody is nicer. I mean, just always just a really nice, engaging dude. It was funny. One of the things about you know, him being, it always goes about the athleticism and how, how he was put together. He would, like, go through tennis shoes. He'd, he, they'd break on him because when he would cut with the force he had, they would tear. And yeah. just, and since he wasn't a perfect person, but we, but he was so cool. Uh, again, I'm a young guy at Anderson, and I come down for ABA game, and you get in the locker room. Of course, you got slick. And Slick's locker rooms are, you know, casual. And you go up to George, and he's on, like, his third beer. And probably his, he's a half a pack into the cigarettes. And this, is a, and this is an elite player who was able to do things that very few people could do. But I just, I, again, I, when you lose people like that, it just sort of, things are just not quite as good as they used to be. I don't want to overstate and all that, but. He just he, he he the world was better with George McGinnis in it. It's not quite the same without him. That, that's I don't mean to hyperbole, but that's kind of how I look at it. I'm, I'm assuming will the Pacers wear some sort of commemorative patch, maybe a Big Mac or a thirty or something like that. I would assume they'd yeah. do something like that in his honor, right? And that's, and that's what that's what you do, and that's why I lose if the league says now you can't do that. Well, you do it, and you pay the fine. You know, so yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's done a lot. Uh, whatever they do for George, it, it's worth it. Uh, the outpouring of, of, of tributes and, and sentiments are that's that's when you know what kind of footprints. Of course, George left big footprints because George was a big guy. But when you get that, uh, it just tells you the impact and the enormity of what you did and. It's always good to see when people, you know, we've talked about is the great athleticism of what he could do. But then you always say, but man, he was such a great guy. He always had time for you. He was always pleasant. And that's where it's, you know, we, 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 we both know a lot of athletes who are not so much off, away from the field. This guy was the total package and, you know, best wishes to his family and dealing with it. But my goodness, he was a special person and a special player. It's Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And again, our, our thoughts going out to George's family and, of course, the Pacers on that incredible loss of earlier today. Uh, moving on now, get the Colts and the Steelers coming up on Saturday. And like we all thought earlier this week, no return for Braden Smith and no return for Jonathan Taylor. And I brought this up a couple of different times and I, I know how people feel. I, I think there's any disappointment at all that Taylor chose to go 
with the surgery and not try to play this thing out. I'm not sure that it'd help a great deal. I, I guess him being a game-breaking oh, player, you can suggest it could. But is there any disappointment, you think, over there because that was the choice and the missing of the time? I, 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 don't, I, I don't think so just because you say, well, it's just a thumb. Well, yeah, you know, the guy carries the football. I remember when Marshall Falk yeah. had a dislocated toe and people said, well, you can't play with that. No. So I, I think not. Uh, you'd certainly like, and again, he, he would make a difference. He, he's that quality of player. So no, I, maybe they, they're, they're, they're frustrated because you're getting back and you're starting yeah. to get going and then this happens. But I just, I, I, I don't think he would have done this unless it was absolutely necessary. And, and this had to be his decision. You can't say, well, I want to get it operated on. And I say, no, nah, we don't think so. Let's just tape it up. No, this is one where everybody's got to be on board. And I, I'm sure there's frustration. I don't know that it would go beyond that because it, it's, it's, it's a thumb and, you know, ball security. Can you imagine him trying to play that? You're, you tape it up and then he puts the ball on the ground twice because he can't secure the ball with his right hand. I think there's frustration, but I don't think there's any 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 anger or what the hell are you doing type of thing. You know, we need you. I don't think so. So must win against the Steelers coming up on Saturday and yeah, coming off that disappointment. It, flatly, Cincinnati, even with a backup quarterback, was a much better team than they had played and beaten during that win streak. But what do you think about this Steeler team mostly limping in here, but certainly getting somebody of significance back talking about T.J. Watt and uh, T.J. Watt versus Jake Freeland a lot. Is that your anticipation for Saturday afternoon at Lucas Oil Stadium? Yeah, they also get Alex Highsmith back there, so their top two edge rushers are playing. And yeah. This is one where where if I'm the Colts, you know he's going to make two or three or four plays. He just because he, he's that good. It's not it's not that he's that much better than your guy, although he might be, but you just want you want bad plays to be a sack and a four yard loss, and not a sack fumble, a sack scoop and score. Because uh, I tell you, the, the, the Steelers' offense is historically bad. I saw a stat from one of these ESPN things or whatever, or Next Gen, whatever. They're averaging 16.2 points a game. That's the third lowest by a team with a winning record since like in like 40 years. So if that's the case and they're on their backup, don't give a an awful offense a short field with a with a sack fumble or points. So it, it's you know he's going to make you know he's going to make plays, but just don't make them game changing. And then you know find you just kind of solid solid up your game. You know make your kicks. Uh, quit having penalties on on Zach Moss's ten yard. Touchdown run, although that was a bo- that was a bogus bogus holding call on Quentin Quentin Nelson, but it's it, it's there it's it's there for him. You, you've been using this must win like for the last ten years, and this one I tell you, <laughs> it is this is I kind of yeah. think this is an, an elimination game. I, I think certainly there's a path for the Colts to get there by losing with with the schedule as Atlanta and the Raiders and and Houston. But think of, you know, think if they find a way to have one in Cincinnati, they're tied for first in the division. So you just can't say, well, you know, but everybody else lost too. Well, you only got four games left. 
you can't keep kicking the can down the down the street and say we'll make up for that next week because before long there won't be more next weeks. So the the the, the silver lining is it's still there. I think if they go three and one, they probably get in. Uh, and I could see them going four and zero, oh, and I could see them not doing that because I just they make it hard to have trust in the offense, in the pass rush, in the secondary. So when you're playing a substandard schedule and a backup quarterback, do better than you did last week in Cincinnati. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Whiskey business, and we're on a large city bourbon locks, Luna Azul tequila shots Thursday. Pendleton Pike is our location of whiskey business today. Southside, Southport Road whiskey business coming up on the show on a Bud Light Blue Friday tomorrow. Could you make, as to the reason why Gus Bradley continued to play the way that they did and succumb to the usage over and over and over again of the screen game, it was funny. Late in the second, you thought, all right, Jake Browning, that pick six from Ronnie Harrison Jr., you thought maybe that got to the backup quarterback of the Bengals. They go to the half tied, and the Bengals come right back out and reestablish what they were doing, that screen game, and the Colts just didn't do, couldn't do anything to it. What would you make of the defensive effort both from the coaching staff and the personnel this past Sunday? Again, they just didn't didn't execute well getting into my coach speak. And on the first one, the 54-yard touchdown, probably should have called a block in the back against Kenny Moore. So it would have been nothing. But got given up three plays for 120-some yards. It's just crippling. And whether that's that's not being disciplined on the outside, whether that's your linebackers taking bad – I know maybe on one of them Zaire took a bad angle, but I'd have to go back and look at it. There was so much – you know, bad stuff to kind of pour over. But it, but that just shows you how three plays, you never know, but three plays really, really crippled this, yeah. this, this defense. You can't, you just, these guys aren't good enough to do that. They aren't good enough to have Bernhard Ryman, who I wrote about today on, on, on our website. You know, th- that was his worst game of the year by far. And these guys aren't good enough to overcome that. Uh, it, it's crazy how all season they've kind of been getting by by the old complimentary football. Everybody's doing something to help it. Well, that game, everybody did something to lose it. I thought the, you know, Gardner Minshew, as much as we and I have been critical of him, I, I, he, he really didn't have all that much to do with them, those guys getting punked in in Cincinnati. But, uh, yeah, it's it just, again, it goes back to the fact that these guys – in whatever area you want to talk about, they have deficiencies and they have things that they have to be so on point to succeed. And when they don't, we saw that. And how many times during the Chuck Pagano era, two or three, twice a season, that you know they just got boat raced. And fortunately for this team, somehow that's not been the case. Every team has a clunker. You know, but let's not forget Denver gave up seventy. Uh, for crying out loud, to, to Miami, and right now they're playing pretty well. So it's just it's it's the old cliche about boy, you pick the bad time to have a bad game, and the schedule does not afford you to have another bad game. If you're going to get beat, have somebody make plays that they were just better than you. I'm not convinced the Bengals are better 
than the Colts, the way these two teams are playing. But that day, they did enough right, and the Colts did so much wrong. Again, I went back and looked. I think Matt Kay, he misses two kicks. The last time he missed two kicks in a game, he was a rookie in Tampa. So uh, it, it, it was just an awful game. You move on. And the, 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 the ramifications of, of Saturday against a team that, oh, by the way, you're like 6-26 and 26 against all time. It's just huge. It's just huge. Do we know Tony Sperano Jr. and company, how they plan, how do you think they plan on handling, you know, you mentioned Highsmith off the edge, but certainly uh, the one that we can highlight more so than anybody else is T.J. Watt, how they plan on handling that? Oh, I imagine we're going to see a lot of Moali Cox playing right tackle, you know, extended. Uh, these guys, again, what you do as a coaching staff is you 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 cover up, I don't want to say weaknesses, because I, I, I think Blake Freedom has played pretty well. But you don't leave him out there one-on-one, and then you say after the game, well, I guess we shouldn't have done that. No, I mean, they're going to give him help because you'd give any – They'd probably give Braden Smith help. Maybe not, certainly not as much. But you, you just, you, you, like Venturi and I, we always talk, and when he talks to you guys, there are certain guys you say, this guy won't beat us, whether it's the receiver, the running back, or whatever, or the end. Make somebody, and, and maybe Alex Highsmith has three seconds. I don't know. But just make darn sure that T.J. That Watt, doesn't have three sacks or two sacks and a strip fumble. I mean, they did this with with J.J. Uh, Watt in Houston, and, and there were a couple of times when they leave a tight end to block him. And then he toasts your tight end, and you say, well, I guess we shouldn't have done that. You know, no kidding. We're, we're going to see a lot of help chipping, get him off his game door. He's just not, you know, point A to point B, uh, because that's the way you do it. And I'm telling you, if there, if there will be ten plays – when T.J. Watt's not on the field, the Colts will tell everybody, hey, 90's off the field, and maybe you try things, that's when you, that's when you try it, the situation allows. But ju- you just can't let this guy wreck your game. That means an extra tight end. That may mean quicker passes, and it may be harder to get the ball down the field. But that's the price you pay. Because to think, well, this time we're going to, we think that this guy can block that guy, so we're going to take our shot down the field. That's when the play gets blown up, and you think, well, I shouldn't have done that. So they'll know where he is, yet still, he will make plays. Those special players with attention, they still make plays. Just don't make them, you know, god awful plays. Make them just bad plays. Hey, Mike, before I let you go here, you know, the, the run offense has been non existent, and it's not just because the loss of Jonathan Taylor. Where do you place a lot? Of the criticism slash blame for that is that along the offensive line at times is it Zach Moss maybe you know hitting that collective wall where he is right now with carries why why has the run game that that thrived earlier even without Jonathan Taylor why is it basically not existent right now? I just think the offensive line isn't giving quite the the, the push and the gaps or, or the seams that they that they have. You know, people think this has been the last two games. No, it's been four of the last five. And that, you know, because they had the 155 against Tampa. But the two games prior, they didn't do much. In four of those games, they're averaging 62 yards a game and like 
and that's two of those games with Taylor. So it's and then it's getting behind the sticks. It's a first down sack, so it's second and fifteen, or a penalty, and it's second and twenty, and then, and then it's hard. But they've got to run the ball. I mean, in Pittsburgh's really, really good against the run, but you still have to at least have the threat. And if you throw 40 times against the Steelers, you're going to lose. I mean, maybe they prove me wrong, but throwing the ball 40 times against these guys, you're asking – you're just giving T.J. Watt and Highsmith more chances to blow up a game. They've got to get something. I'm not saying 150 yards from the run game, but they've got to get something to where, you know, it, it, it's second, second and four, and you're keeping these guys honest. And we've seen Zach Moss do that. He, he's had games. I don't think he's hitting a wall because he's not been overworked with Taylor coming back a, until recently. So you got to find a way. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be ugly. Just don't make that one or two plays that just this team can't overcome. Uh, get up 13-0, get up 17-3, and then just play Dean Smith four corners and get out of there with a win, and then you're in pretty good shape. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And, Mike, I appreciate it, as always, with the uh, Colts conversation, too, every Thursday. But uh, what you added regarding covering and certainly following for the better part of your existence, that of the playing career and just the personal existence of, of George McGinnis, I appreciate that. Uh, who was, obviously, who was guard? Yeah. It was It was McGinnis and Downing, and it wasn't Pack, was it? Who was the guard? I can't remember their guard on those teams. Uh, the I think it was it not – it wasn't that – it wasn't Pack – Maybe it was. Maybe that's what I'm saying. It might have been. Yeah. I, I remember that state final where it was three unbeaten teams and Gary Tolson had one loss out of state. It was just an amazing, amazing time, and George was right in the middle of it. God love him. Yeah, and uh, you think, you know, once you go through the ABA, you know, and they get your chance, you know, in the NBA, and just, uh, and the one-handed shot. The one-handed yeah. shot. How many coaches Absolutely. out there would try to correct that immediately now? And George would say, "Now nah, I think I'm all, I'm good. I'll keep doing this." <laughs> what a yes. great what a great player! Just a great player. My goodness. <sighs> I thought I so much wanted to go out in my outbuilding. I got a bunch of old basketball cards out there and look through them because I have a ton of George McGinnis cards. I you know. know the ones that are really large. Remember the lo- the really big ones from the early '70s? I have a lot of those out there. So. Yep. Yep. We're, again, like I said, right. the world's just a little bit less because George isn't with us. No doubt. Mike, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Later. To Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59. Hey, we're here at Whiskey Business off of Pendleton Pike. Where's Jimmy? Long time no see for Jimmy. Bill is here. Paul is here. Jay is here. Tomorrow, Whiskey Business, but we're going to be on the south side. So south siders are coming at you. That's I-65 and the Southport exit right there behind the Chick-fil-A Whiskey Business Southside on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I've got tickets for you. Colts and Steelers, that is coming up on Saturday, too. Hey, speaking of tickets, too, James, let's do this as we hit a break. 239-1070. If you want to go to the bullseyeofingroup.com, Colts VIP tailgate presented by Hayes and Sons Restoration. 
Get your chance right here. Number nine is going to go on me. It's all you can eat, all you can drink. DJ Skids will be a part of it. Remember, that's two hours prior to the start of the game at 4.30. So 2.30, that's underway. Um, I'm trying to think. Wait a minute, I go on. I think I go on at 12.30. Actually, maybe it's 1.30. I go on at 12.30 for the ride to kick off. But we'll be good to go. You want to go number nine at 239-1070 for the pregame party anywhere with bullseyeeventgroup.com and the Colts VIP tailgate. Presented by A's and Sons Restoration. Number nine is a winner at 239-1070. Back on the other side, and speaking of George McGinnis and the ABA, I think Tyrone is here to give us a little insight regarding the ABA, both old school and new school. We'll do that. Brett Halverson rejoins and more. Whiskey Business, Pendleton Pike. On a Thursday, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Whiskey Business on a Larcity Bourbon Locks Luna's Ool Tequila Shots Thursday. Pendleton Pike, Paul, that's our location. James Studio, Dev's here with me. Brent Halverson rejoins Busy Show. Pacers Bucks last night, and I gave you off the top and then throughout the show my opinion on a double-digit loss and an embarrassing defensive performance. But what was the bright side, which was significant, that took place after the game? Actually, it did take place throughout the game, but it was magnified after the game. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Evan Sidery rejoins us, too. We had a little trouble, I think, with his line back in the 3 o'clock hour. Evan Sidery of Forbes NBA coverage has his own column, Substack at Substack.com. He does join us. You know, I'd mentioned this, and I, I think you were trying to answer, but we couldn't hear you. You know, besides, you know, the, the Toronto players, whether it's Ananobi or Siakam, is there anything else mentioned out there that the Pacers may end up doing. We also should make sure that everybody's reminded that James Johnson, the longtime NBA veteran, was signed by the Pacers earlier today, which I don't know if that's, you know, something that you can, you know, attribute to what happened last night or just a, an extreme coincidence, but whatever the case, an interesting signing for the Pacers today. Yes, yeah, certainly so. And, and James Johnson more so – Ironic timing last night, John, after what happened there with Giannis and Bobby Portis and everything. But now I have a very hard time seeing Giannis and Bobby Portis going at a lot of Pacers players if James Johnson is now on this roster because he's a black belt. He's known as one of the more trading players in the NBA. So that's a that's a good little counter move by the Pacers they did today, signing James Johnson for what happened there. But I do think if you look for an outside uh, enforcer to come in here and kind of be your wing defender, like we mentioned earlier, probably one of the two Toronto guys in Pascal Siakam and OG and Anobi. And then when you think outside of that, there's really not many defense first guys that could be potentially available. You can see Kyle Kuzma in Washington, but he's more so of a scorer. So Laurie Markin would be a really, really good fit offensively, but defensively, he certainly isn't that kind of player. 
maybe Alex Caruso in Chicago. I know the Bulls are going to be probably blowing that up here soon with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Maybe Caruso could come in here and be a lockdown guard off the bench to put next to TJ McConnell and Andrew Nemhart. That could be a really intriguing fit, in my opinion. I think if you're looking as far as a guy can come in here and defend the likes of the best wings in the East, and Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Giannis, I think you probably have to go toward Toronto and try to get one of Siakam or Ananobi. I think Ananobi definitely is a lot better defender than Pascal Siakam. Siakam gives you a lot more on the offensive end. But I would definitely look towards Toronto here in the next couple months here and see if they can get a deal done. Evan Snyder, a couple more things. We have him back here for the 3 o'clock hour. We had some phone difficulties there, but we are locked and loaded and loud and clear right now. So Bobby Marks of ESPN mentioned Paul George to me yesterday. Does that make any sense to you, that return? Yeah, I think it does actually a little bit. And this is something we maybe talked about in the summer because when he looked at this a little further, that Clippers team, they're doing fantastic right now. They got to a really slow start with James Harden after that trade happened. But James Harden now is really settled in into his role for the Clippers, and they've been fantastic. That starting lineup has been so far. I think Paul George, we all know he's from California. He forced his way out of Indiana in the first place to originally want to go to Los Angeles. I have a hard time seeing Paul George leaving his home state again if that means potentially he goes back to Indiana and plays a second fiddle role. I think the one thing that's maybe holding me back from Paul George a little bit is his age. He's going to be 34 years old next season, going to be 35 the year after that. Does he really fit alongside Tyrese Halliburton? He certainly does short-term for a two-, three-year window. But long-term, he'll be 35, 36 years old at the end of that contract. Won't be a really good contract to look back on there. But if you're truly in win-now mode, and Tyrese Halliburton certainly seems like he wants to be in win-now mode, Paul George kind of is that perfect guy where he's a great shooter, great defender. I think that the implications are, does Paul George want to leave L.A. and go back to Indiana? I think that's the big question here. But as far as on-court fit, I think he'd be fantastic, honestly. Mikhail Bridges is another one that's kind of been mentioned, not too much. Does that make any sense for you, the uh, Brooklyn swing guy? Yeah, Mikhail, I think, is the dream target. I actually covered him throughout his career in Phoenix when I was out there, and he's a fantastic, fantastic player, a culture setter in that locker room, elite defender, sharpshooter from three-point range. With the way he's playing for Brooklyn right now, he's really blossoming into an all-star little player. I have a hard time seeing Brooklyn ever trading Mikhail Bridges unless it's truly for a superstar little player in return. I have a hard time seeing them ever selling off on Mikhail Bridges, so to say. So I'd probably say it's a lower chance on Mikhail Bridges. I think one name that could make some sense this summer if they do kind of sputter here a little bit and they continue to not really make that huge leap forward like many teams expected to, it's New Orleans with Brandon Ingram. I think it's a really intriguing name to watch out for this summer is Brandon Ingram. He's 26 years old. He's right in that timeline age of this team. He's a 25-point-per-game scorer, all-star level player. I think he'd be a fantastic fitness to Tyrese Halbert on the wing there. Defensively is a, a serious question for Brandon Ingram, but if you want to add in a true star level number two option, there might not, be, not, might not be a lot of better options out there than Brandon Ingram if you could get him with Tyrese Halliburton. Hey, before I let you go, one more thing. Would P.J. Tucker have made any sense for you with this team? Uh, maybe a little bit, but now I think, honestly, James Johnson is kind of that P.J. Tucker player for this team. And P.J. Tucker, he's kind of, I would respectfully say, he's probably two, three years past his prime. He's At this point, he's not really – the player he was a couple of years ago. He's really struggling right now at the Clippers to get any rotation that. It just seems like he's kind of fallen off a cliff athletically the last couple couple years there, and especially on defensive end, he's not the same player there. If you want to get a true veteran leader in the locker room, if he's bought up by the Clippers, so to say, that can make some sense. But I think James Johnson kind of might already fill that void for them, what just says continuity already in the team. 
What are you writing about? I'm going to be writing about John, this Pacers team, and what they can do at the deadline. December 15th is tomorrow, which is the official start date of trade season. A lot of teams around the NBA, all those contracts that were signed this past offseason, they are now going to be officially eligible to be trade. I believe 75% of those contracts that were signed are. So it's going to be me diving into some teams that make sense on the trademark for the Pacers, probably talk about the Toronto players in Siakam and OG Ananobi. And also, I really think this Pacers team might, looking ahead to the summer a little bit, I think they're going to be one of the more intriguing teams to watch out for. So I just think building and putting the right piece around Tyrese Halliburton is what I'm looking forward to long-term. So I'm going to be diving into all of that. Hey, Evan, I apologize for the phone issues we had back in the 3 o'clock hour. Thank you, thank you for making time and uh, ending the conversation with us with these tidbits of information, man. We always appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. No problem at all. Anytime you need me. Appreciate it, John. Evan Sidery, uh, Forbes, covers the NBA. Got his own column at Substack, Substack.com. Evan Sidery, talking NBA and the Pacers specifically from last night and then some on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, it's kind of interesting here. He broadcasts live from Whiskey Business. Uh, we had the bad news today, the passing of George McGinnis. Uh, of course, made so, so much out of his ABA career before he went to the NBA. And the ABA still exists. In fact, Indiana Lions, that's a team. Tyrone Brown is the owner and CEO. Tyrone joins us now and actually brought me some stuff here, too, Tyrone. I appreciate that. I've always been a big fan of the red, white, and blue basketball. But if you will, on this day that is so significant because of the passing and the legacy of George McGinnis, a little bit about what what you represent as far as your team uh, in the ABA and the ABA of the past, what you guys try to reach back for in terms of making sure everybody knows how significant it was. Well, first of all, we want to say uh, our, send our condolences to the uh, McGinnis family. And, um, and so the biggest thing that we wanted to do was be, they were pillars to us. And so growing up watching the ABA and McGinnis and Dr. J, uh, when we had a chance, my wife and I, to uh, have ownership into the ABA, you know, we purchased a franchise, and then um, we wanted to give young men second and third opportunity to continue playing. Uh, the ABA was the standard back right. in the day. And so a lot of the young guys really don't know the significance of it, but we wanted to bring that opportunity back to the state of Indiana where the Pacers were one of the original teams. How long has, you, how long has this team been The Lions have been operating. in existence for six years, and we are defending champions. Uh, but the ABA came back around 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it came back in a, in a minor league capacity. Yeah. And so it gives us an opportunity to showcase the talent that is uh, in the state of Indiana. Tyrone Brown of the Indiana Alliance is the owner and CEO. What do you guys play out of? We are playing some of our games at George Washington High School. Nice. The former high school of That's, George. Yes, Indiana. And right. we also play in Hendricks County, Danville. Wow. Um, so what, what players, what level of players? I have D1, yeah. D2. D- I have overseas guys. I have guys who went overseas and come back. I have guys that still has inspiration to get overseas. So our, our goal is to put them in position that they can be looked at by higher level scouts, et cetera. So the, let's just say the general age general of your age team? is you have to be 18 and out of high school. 18 and out of high school. And, and how do you end up finding these players? Are a lot of them from around here? Or are there a lot of them? We that got some guys that went to Pike High School, Lawrence yeah. High School. Um, uh, and you got some guys that came from different locations, Mississippi, Alabama, yeah. Tennessee, uh, you know, for, for, um, to continue playing. Yeah. Because, you know, what we did, we tried to set an example of a great organization with an opportunity to continue playing. And so a lot of the guys look, you know, they look on social media, they look at what the Lions is doing, 
Uh, they look at our success over the last six years. And so now they're coming aboard and saying, hey, we want to be a part of that. You uh, brought a shirt here, too, by the way. It's uh, Tyrell Brown of the Indiana Lions, the ABA team in operation right now, celebrating 50 years um, from 2023 going back to 1973. And you have the Pacers of 1973 yes. and the names on that roster documented with George McGinnis, yes. who passed away today, one of those, along with the late Mel Daniels, the late Roger Brown is a part of that. Slick Leonard was the coach. Don Boozy was there. Billy Keller was there. Just so many, Freddie Lewis, name recognizable guys. You guys love to embrace, don't yes. you? The yes. ABA. And, and sometimes it makes me wonder if, if it goes back too far for the younger generation to catch a grasp. But it seems like you're trying to teach them that We're when they get with you. We're trying to go and show the, how it started. And so when you go back to the beginning and you get guys and you get your organization to see the, the work that, have, that was done prior to them playing in this ABA, it was, an, uh, it was a privilege for us to go back and give homage to the guys who yep. had already come before us. So that shirt you have is a 50-year anniversary shirt. And to say, that, hey, you can be champions too. It's not always the NBA. There's another league called the ABA that's giving, our, giving guys opportunities to put, continue, continue I, playing. I always uh, tell people you, you play, and this is including overseas too, but I said you play until they tell you you can't. Exactly. Because, I mean, it's fun. I love playing basketball. I play all the time. I love playing pickup. But, you know, you play if they pay you and continue to do it as long as they can. Hey, and where, when can people start watching you play, Tyrone, this year, too? Uh, they can come out to George Washington this Saturday. This Saturday. At, at 5 p.m. 5. We, we're playing the Clarksville Phoenix team. They just had a tornado. And so we're, we're giving back to them in terms okay. of gift cards. And, and for the kids who don't have Clarksville, Tennessee, right? Have that's what Clarksville, talking, Tennessee. Yeah. And we also have one of our players, uh, Eric Messer, that's from Clarksville, Tennessee. So it's really a homecoming for him and his family. But it also says that we want to give back to the folks who came through this tornado and say for the kids, hey, here in Indianapolis, we do care and we want to support you in any kind of way we can. Nothing quite like the old ABA ball, nothing the old like red, it. white, and blue. Nothing like yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing can tell you exactly how bad your rotation is or how great your rotation <laughs> is. That is Like true. the red, white, and blue of the ABA right here. Tyrone Brown, the Indiana Lions, again, this Saturday at uh, Washington High School. They're off of Washington Street. Or check, yeah, Washington High School off of Washington Street. That is coming up on Saturday once again to help the folks in Clarksville, Tennessee, and certainly introduce folks to the ABA and a lot of players that you certainly have grown accustomed to knowing around here playing that too. Man, it's great to meet you, Tyrone. Thanks for coming out today. Thank you for the invite. Tyrone, right here. Thank you, man. I Thank appreciate you, that. Come out anytime. Tyrone Brown of the Indiana Lions. And on a day, which I think is incredibly appropriate, we talk about his team and the ABA and intertwine that with the passing of an ABA, an NBA, and an Indiana legend and that of George McGinnis. Whiskey Business, Northeast Side, Pendleton Pike. Quick break, we'll come back. Brent Halverson rejoins tomorrow at Whiskey Business on the South Side. Bud Light Blue Friday, your chance to steal his Colts tickets tomorrow. Talk about that and a lot more with you. We'll close out the show coming up next. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Actually, Brent's going to come back. I think Brent's getting one of those free samples right now from my man, Matthew. Phil Burton from IMPD's hanging out here. It's good to see you, my man. Thanks for coming out here. Got pictures of Big Mac right there. The passing of George McGinnis. We talked about that today. Um, and certainly shed a lot of light on that. I, I, I do. I love talking to. We just talked to Tyrone, who's got an ABA team uh, that's playing over at Washington High School. That's appropriate for the now because he, they're also teaching the past with the present with that group. And I think that's incredibly cool, the celebration of 50 years. But Mike Chappell joined us earlier on the hour, and somebody that has watched, somebody that has covered the career of George McGinnis. And I know a lot of you, maybe you're too young to have a significant memory about it, but when they say that he was LeBron James in terms of his build before LeBron James, they're 100% accurate. It's exactly the way that George McGinnis looked. And then you factor in that he's just simply put one of the nicest guys of all time right there. He is going to be significantly missed in the passing of George McGinnis earlier today. And, of course, we discussed that and uh, a lot more for you. Hey, Brent, come over here really quick. I got to get Brent Halverson back on here. I sent him over there for a sample. And we got to get Brent back over here before we end up closing out the show. I'd hate to leave him out of here. Our next Larceny Bourbon Locks in Luna Azul Tequila Shots for Week 16, Britain Tavern. Either Noblesville or Fishers. I can never remember if they call it Noblesville or Fishers at Britain Tavern. That's my bad right there. I sent you off for a sample. Oh, we got to end up rolling. Britain Tavern, is that Noblesville or Fishers next week? That is actually technically Fishers by about a, Fisher, about a block and a half. Fishersville or Noblesers? It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> Noblesers. Fishersville. I like that. Uh, no, what, it's, uh, so it's 141st and 37 right there. Gotcha. And I think 146 is where that Noblesville line crosses. So just south of uh, the Noblesville uh, uh, city limits. Thank you for hooking up Matt with the samples. We've had a lot of people with great samples and a shout out to, to Litzy. Litzy brought us you see those some amazing. awesome Christmas awesome? gifts. It really is. What a, what a guy. The Mystic Waters oh. Campground book that he got you. <laughs> Pretty special. My goodness. Really special. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, and, and again, we've got Mr. Burton here, and, and the people yeah. that come out and join us, John. I mean, we're uh, we're honored to be able to do this, and uh, I drop and be Phil surrounded. Burton's name all the time, and I'm in trouble downtown. I go, hey, <laughs> Phil Burton says I'm okay to turn left on red. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can if it's a one way. So maybe maybe you found the right way there. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Phil Burton said I can do that. It's all good. So yeah. Well, we do. We love Phil Burton, and especially no, yes, we when do. we come to the northeast side. We see Phil all the time. Obviously, Jimmy and Bill and Paul and Jay's here too. Let's see, let's see, table, right? yeah. great crew of people Litzy's, to come out. Let's just got Jess over there. Um, now, I did not see. Normally, we see Laurel up here, and I'm reminded of Laurel because Nally, our friend Ryan Nally, I believe, just had surgery. He did yesterday. He had surgery yesterday. He's doing great. Um, I was kind of texting with him yesterday and today, so. He's, uh, he's just in, in recovery, hopes to be out Friday or Saturday. He's got a couple of weeks at home, and then he'll be back on the men. But, uh, yeah, Laurel, I, I wish we would have seen Laurel. She lives right, right down the this road, This is too. like Laurel's home base besides, you know, the other locations that we're talking about. Right, right. I, every time I come here, I think I see Laurel. Yep, she's uh, she, you know she's a busy she's a busy lady, too, though. So she's probably out and about and uh, yep. spreading some Christmas cheer since right around the corner. Yep, is the music playing in the background there, James? 
I've Did I hear no that accurately? Playing. Oh, you don't either. See, I'm going to get my hearing checked. I thought I heard music back there. My bad. I, I did just, actually too, John. I broke up the continuity of the show right there, <laughs> listening for music that wasn't being played right here. <laughs> so, Britain Tavern coming up week 16. That is next week. Week 16. Can you believe that? Week 16 already. Yeah. You know, we've got four weeks of football left until we're talking. Now we're talking playoffs, right? Yeah. So, it's going to be a, a pretty good run down the stretch. Uh, yeah, so Britain Tavern next week. Um, then after that, we're going to be at uh, Taylor's and Nora yeah. on yep. December 28th. Yep. And then to wrap up the uh, regular season, we'll be at Crafters in Carmel. So we're going to have some playoff locations. I haven't up been too, to so. Crafters in a while either. It's That's been, awesome. It's been a yeah. while for myself, too. So I, um, I was thinking about this, too. We've got our uh, tavern tour stops that are going to fire up into this month and then for 2024 again. Too. 24 is all set, and there's some special ones on there, yeah. too, John. It really is. There's some really, really fun places. A lot of them that we've talked about going to uh, that are on there. So we'll uh, we'll start digging into that, kick off the new year right. Uh, and one in particular where we – the first one ever we did – and it goes down in history as maybe the best one right there, considering how many people showed up, it, right? It does. It yeah. does. We will. That is the only repeat on the tab tour. It is. Tour. Yeah. And we had to go back. We have to go back there. And that's mid, mid-year mid next year, I think. So, uh, yep. but uh, no, there's, there's some good stuff going on. I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, you know, it's, and again, looking to uh, jo- have everybody come out and join us. Have some great samples, some great camaraderie. Uh, you know, hey, holiday season's here, my friend. It's always a pleasure. There's, There's the music there's, right there. I'm hearing so you're it, so I'm telling trying to, me. Trying to stop it. Hey, James, I know you've been battling back there today. Job well done. Out of James. Dev, thank you, my brother. Appreciate that. Hey, tomorrow's show, we're at Whiskey Business, Southside, Southport Road, on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I've got Steelers Colts tickets tomorrow, so hopefully we'll see you all down there. Brent Halverson right there, everybody, our betting analyst. Job well done, as always, man. Thank you, my friend. Pleasure. Great, great time here at Whiskey Business off of Pendleton Pike. Hey, more of the Pacers. They get set for the Wizards coming up tomorrow. We'll preview that and get you set for a busy sports weekend, including the Steelers and the Colts on Saturday, Indiana State Ball State, Purdue, Arizona, the Indy Classic on Saturday. That and more live on the south side. Southport Road tomorrow. Whiskey business on a Bud Live Blue Friday. I cannot wait to see you. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, thank you for hanging. Thank you all for listening. It's 93.5 1075 The Fan. Have a great night. Hey!